We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Rotor Grinders? We're back, NFL Pick Six Show. It is Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, gonna be knocking out this one, and we're gonna be back for next week as well. We'll take from there, but definitely, well, you know, the first one, the first two weeks, we're talking some NFL DFS, and it's Super Wild Card Weekend. We have a plethora of games. We're gonna talk all six games. It's the Pick Six Show, so we're gonna talk all six games. As usual, Rich Rebar, Sharp Football Analysis, John Diggle, the hottest free agent in the business. Uh, well, we're going to talk a little bit of money playing later on. I was just, uh, obviously we talked a little movies here as well, but, uh, just our, uh, our chat, our chat, I, I, I won't say who said what, but, uh, somebody says, I'm actually mad at Dean. I'm not going to lie. I want to fight Dean. Somebody else says that too. <laughs> I, I did, I did select our previous movie. We'll be discussing money playing later on in the show. You do want to stick around for that, but of course, uh, NFL, NFL DFS, the main slate. Well, I should say there's a variety of slates. There's uh, all sorts of slates on FanDuel, all sorts of slates on DK. You know, well, we're just going to break down each game individually. Obviously, Wednesday night, you guys know we record Wednesday night. There's uh, a lot of injuries up in the air, a lot of questionable plays. And weather, too, people are freaking out as far as weather. Three games in a dome. Two games are pretty dicey weather-wise, according to Kevin Roth. Obviously, this stuff can change. Weather is fluid. Another game, you know, a little bit of rain potentially, but again, we'll break all this down, do the best we can on a Wednesday. Rich, uh, Rich, we made it. It's uh, you know, the longest season. I guess that's Dagel's bit. We'll talk to him in a second. But what's up, uh, what's up, Rich? How uh, how are things? Are we excited? Yeah, I think Ezekiel Elliott said it best last week, and we didn't play in the game. But uh, he was like, you know, I always wanted to play in a snow game, and I realized they suck. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hopefully, we don't have that with the two games this week. I know one one is just looks like it's going to be really cold. 
the other one looks like it could be like snow and windy. We'll see when we get there. I mean, just uh, if the Steelers end up playing in a game where like no team can pass and they end up winning, like I'm going to be, I, I, I'm done with the Steelers, dude. Like I, they, we just can't kill these guys. That's what, that's what they want, right? That's the Steelers. Exactly, want. dude. It's going to happen. That's, I can't believe it. We're going to see a now, lot of see it playing out where like the, where there's like six completed passes for than five yards downfield in that game. Oh, Get get excited for sure, uh, Daigle. What's up? Uh, we're gonna be breaking these, uh, breaking down six games. Any general thoughts you have before we kind of dive in? Congratulations, we made it to uh, the playoffs. I've been and trying to enjoy and relax during unemployment, but what's that become? What that's become actually is the significant other thinking I have more free time. So instead, I'm going and using Menards rebates and raking the yard and all sorts of other things with this extra time I have on my plate, rather than playing Batman like a real man. So that's what's happening in my life right now. Uh, other than that, I am intrigued by all the slates Saturday only. We'll get to a couple leverage spots Sunday. I think is going to be hot based on the projected game scripts Monday. Even we're looking at an upset when I initially started researching every game, cause it's the time of the year where you really have to step back and just ask yourself like the Eagles, an elite team limping into the playoffs. Did that matter at all? And honestly, I, I look around and I'm like, all these dogs are live. I really think so. So we'll get into the matchups and, um, you know, just the breakdowns here. I feel the same way. I think we're going to have a good collection of games and also some like some nice totals, which is good to see. We'll get into it. Yeah. But like the Green Bay Dallas game should be a lot of fun. Rams Detroit feels like potentially the most mm-hmm. fun from a tournament perspective. But the very first game, the very first game we're going to talk about it Saturday. I think it's like a four o'clock starter. So Cleveland, Cleveland at Houston. Houston is a home dog. They're getting two and a half points. Forty four and a half is the total here. John, I'll let you kick us off here. Cleveland, Houston, whatever side you want to start on it, go for it. I think the microanalysis is pretty cut and dry. Like even from the Browns defensive side of the ball, they scheme the fourth most man coverage, the second most cover one, and C.J. Stroud has been an entirely different quarterback against man coverage in particular this year. Uh, 53% completion rate, which is 22nd in the league, also 38th in EPA per play, and just a 3.4% touchdown rate compared to his 4.6% on the season. Uh, We also know like this matchup happened a couple weeks ago, albeit, in a much easier spot with Case Keenum on the other side of the ball for half the game. And the Browns have been a pass-heavy team and the five starts Joe Flacco has made. But I don't think you have to even stretch it to play devil's advocate and see the edge here because the Texans were initially two-and-a-half-point favorites in that matchup two weeks ago until Case Keenum did get the nod and shifted the line entirely. This is also the first repeat matchup for Joe Flacco all year. And so they're definitely not catching Houston's defense, in my opinion, and the play calling off guard again. And the fact that it's still CJ Stroud fresh off of what was truly a playoff game, and he was incredible against it, against a 38-year-old who was unemployed until December. (laughs) I want to to go against the grain, the consensus here, on both the two-game and main slate and pivot to Houston's defenses at leverage, expecting two or three turnovers from Joe Flacco just chucking it deep, or simply fade Flacco altogether, because I think he's going to be really popular on the overall slate. Yeah, Rich, what if I told you like three months ago, or even the start of the season, that Joe Flacco is going to be a road favorite in the playoffs? Like, what you, you would have a lot of questions. Like, what happened? <laughs> what was this season? Um, that's what we're looking at. Against the Texans, no less, by the way. <laughs> Against Houston. Houston is hosting uh, you know, a playoff right. game. Really, really wild. 
But uh, yeah, what do you got? Your, your thoughts here as far as uh, Flacco taking on uh, the young gun there, Stroud? Yeah, and, you know, not even like Flacco like backdooring in like it, like Flacco thrown multiple touchdowns in all five of his games. Uh, the the only Browns quarterbacks that throw multiple touchdowns in five straight games are Baker Mayfield and Vinny Testaverde. He's the first quarterback mm. in franchise history to throw for three hundred yards in four straight games. He just was the first yeah. passer in thirty three games that threw over three hundred yards against the Jets in a game without Amari Cooper. Uh, it's been a good story, man. It's been a fun ride. And the Browns have kind of leaned on him. I mean, you look at it, look at they've been 5% pass rate over expectation with Joe Flacco, 11% pass rate over expectations on first down play calls. They really can't run the ball. Like this is a team that like for months has not run the football well. Uh, and they've kind of swerved into it. And it's been kind of fun to watch. It's hard not to root for it, right? Like, you know, Flacco's been on this. And also, guess what quarterbacks run won the most road playoff games the wild card round in NFL history? Is it Joe Flacco? Flacco. It's Joe Flacco. So kind of fun, <laughs> kind of fun here. I'm with Daigle from like an ownership perspective. Obviously on the Saturday slate, he's going to be really popular based on, you know, the potential weather of the late game, how the first time Miami and Kansas City played out, just different things and how everyone will chase what happened in the box score in this game between Flacco, Amari Cooper, uh, a little bit of David Njoku. Those were literally, that was literally the stack I played against you guys that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. We won a bunch of money. Um so I'm curious to see if just like the gamers flock to that, obviously. Uh, you look at the Browns. What what happens with the Browns? I thought, like Daigle said, I was going to be like against the grain and be like kind of on the Texans, but they're still getting the majority of the public money. Uh, and people are still on the Texans. It's, like, it's actually went down a point uh, today. It's like hmm. they're only one, they're one and a half now. So people are getting to the Texans now and potentially the spot where maybe Flacco has like some recoil. And, you know, the Browns just can't keep living on the turnovers that Flacco has. I mean, they've turned the ball over 12 times and it starts. It's tied for the most in the NFL. And we know historically in the playoffs, you know, teams that have won the turnover battle. Uh, going back to 2002 in the NFL, expanded to 32 teams. Teams that have won the turnover battle in the playoffs have won 77% of the games. Teams uh, that have won the turnover battle by two or more have a 95 and 18 record. So the Browns do need to clean up some stuff. The one thing that I keep coming back to, though, in this game is just the insane mismatch, though, that the Houston offensive line has against this Cleveland defensive front. I mean, it's just it's just so glaring. I mean, you look at the games that Stroud has struggled. It's not necessarily even like a man coverage thing. I mean, the teams that he's played that are in the top 10 in pass defense this year, the Jets, the Ravens, the Saints, and the Panthers, just completely wrecked them in terms of pressure. I mean, uh, and this Browns team pressured him on uh, – pressured Case Keenum, that is, on 44% of his dropbacks in Week 16. Like, it's just a huge, huge advantage the Browns have in this game against this offensive line that has just been a mishmash of parts the entire season. So I don't know, like, uh, you know, if we see Flacco definitely throw for three bills and Kamari's not going for 265, but it is still like when you look at that offensive line versus defensive line matchup, I mean, it is really hard to, to say that that's just not a clean advantage for the Browns. We have uh, Jeffrey hanging out in the chat. Do you want to say what's up to you? So those hanging out with us live on a Wednesday night. Uh, kindly hit that like button, subscribe, do all those things. Help us keep the lights on. I do appreciate that. But uh, Jeffrey's requesting uh, flag plants uh, from each of us at the end. I don't know if that means at the end of the whole show Ooh. or the end of each game. I don't know if we have a uh, uh, flag plant in each game, but we'll kind of figure that out, I suppose. I also remember we last week, too, like they will say, it was like a pseudo playoff game for the Texans. And I don't think D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Sloak passed the test. Like no, dude. And we'll see if it ends up like maybe they use that to calibrate because that game should not have been as close as it was. 
Uh, CJ Stroud was absolutely cooking in the first half of that game. They went run heavy. They punted from across the 50. They did not, they did not do the things that we want, like the head coaches that have optimal game plan who want to do. Yeah, John, you were saying it's interesting that the thought process of maybe playing Houston defense against Cleveland, that like just the way salary works, it appears Flacco is going to be popular, which is just, mm-hmm. again, just sort of bizarre, but it also kind of makes sense the way he's been playing this year, the way they've been throwing this year. They're in a dome, which is beneficial as well. Favorite pass catcher for Cleveland, uh, John? Well, I know, again, you're talking about, you know, for tournaments, for deep tournaments, I suppose, uh, running out that Houston defense, getting in higher than the field. But if you're at a roster, uh, the Cleveland side, your favorite pass catcher, all things considered, is who? And they were leaking to everyone in their secondary prior to last week when the Colts, surprisingly, shockingly, were having so much success on the ground that they didn't even really need to throw the ball. I meant you didn't have a good day, but it didn't matter. Even Zach Moss came off the bench and averaged five yards for pop because uh, Shane Steichen's play calling for again, on the run game was just so creative. But before that, remember, the Texans were just shutting down opposing running backs after their bye for only 3.1 yards per carry. So... Uh, the fact that Rich already noted that the Browns can't run the ball and we don't think the Texans will give it up in the running game. That's all we are looking through the air. And we do have four games that it was Amari Cooper and David Njoku on the field with Flacco. And it was Cooper who still led the team with a 23% target share. I would imagine David Njoku is probably going to be the most popular tight end on the entire slate, right? I'm not sure. I ran I ran optimizers with uh, like – for like the six game slate. I, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to run it for every single slate. You know what I mean? I was, I just wanted to see what I can get as far as the big picture. And like, I know you talked about a pre-show where we're, we're going to be playing all the different slates. We're playing the three gamer. We're playing the six gamer, the five gamer. And, you know, we're just going to p- pump the information out and have people figure it out. Disperse that way. The two um, gamer might not be great to play, man. The Saturday two gamer is what you're talking about. Yeah. Cause I mean, just if you obviously have to play against like the weather factor in that game, but if the weather ends up being bad in that game and like, literally it's just like everything is on Flacco and the Brown side, like it's just probably be pretty, pretty disgusting. Yeah. Uh, maybe Pacheco is like a really strong play. I suppose we'll get there soon enough. That's of course the Miami Kansas city game. It, there is some weather potentially lurking. Uh, we saw the total drop by what? I guess it was similar points. to last week, right? Though when you won money, when it was like Texas, or no, that was two weeks ago. Now, so it was probably as similar to the two gamer last week, where like Ravens Steelers was an expected shit show and ended up being, and then you had Colts Texans at night, where everyone just wanted to play Nico yeah. Collins and C.J. Stroud and Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor, and all those guys ended up hitting. You never really know how it's going to go in those two gamers, and like there's always like a one separator is kind of come comes out of nowhere. And we'll see if we can figure out who that person may or may not be. By the way, for what it's worth, in the uh, six-game slate, tight end-wise, Dalton Schultz is the most popular uh, on DK. That's what I'm seeing, at least on a Wednesday. And Joku, the third most popular tight end. Uh, Rich, which, question for, oh, it, uh, it really just depends also if we get Noah Brown and Robert Woods back. Uh, Woods seems to be trending yeah. in the right direction. On Wednesday, Noah Brown's still a DNP, but we'll find out. Is it me or does it feel like there's a lot of skill position players that are questionable, like more so than most times going into the playoffs? Like almost like every team has some situation. Well, it happened, dude. We we bagged on Dan Campbell last week, and this yeah, he did it, man. He did it. At least it but wasn't they, on they my the game. Like it's a massive. That's a massive loss for that. We'll get when we get to that game, but it happened. And the Eagles, obviously, you know, AJ Brown. It's literally the first target of the game. He gets hurt on, and then Jalen Hurts gets hurt. It's like what an absolute disaster, man. Yeah, and I, I think mean, that I think that when Laporta got hurt, 
That's what because I think it was like a, it, within a half hour, Andy Reid declared Travis Kelsey wasn't playing. It was yeah. like literally like 30 minutes later. Like, screw oh, your 16 like, yards, you know, 16 <laughs> yards or whatever it was to get a thousand yards. Like, screw that, dude. You're, you're and I think no, did Noah Gray play? I I had him in some lineups, but Noah, I don't he, he caught a football. Noah Gray did play, but you wouldn't know it. That is correct. <laughs> I mean, I saw him block on defense, so like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did pivot to some Noah Gray. I'm like, oh, Noah Gray season, but like maybe he's too good to play, also. I don't know. Um, did not show up in the box score, unfortunately. Rich, your favorite skill position player on both sides of the ball, Cleveland, Houston. Oh man, I mean, it's it's tough to not just objectively say Cooper, not even for the game he had. It's just you know, he yeah, he, he's been targeted on 29% of his routes from Flacco, only 11.9% of his targets have been inaccurate from Flacco. He had a 15.5% inaccurate target rate from Deshaun Watson. 21.5% inaccurate target from P.J. Walker, 26.3% inaccurate target rate from Dorian uh, Thompson-Robinson, uh, which happened this year. He's also playing 82% of his snaps outside. That's, like, literally all we've done is flood, like, outside wide receivers against Houston. I mean, he's going to be really popular. So, like, you just got to get a little bit unique with it. And Joku might be – he might end up a little bit of a trap – uh, you know, you look at it, he had the six for 144 and he had a touchdown in that game. Houston gives up a lot of targets to tight ends, so they're actually pretty good on a per target basis. That's why when you look at Njoku's game and he had nine targets and just turned him into a modest game. I mean, he's going to need a touchdown, I think, because they Houston actually has been really good on a per target basis to tight ends. They just face a lot of targets to tight ends. So there could be a little bit of like maybe trap potential if you pay up for a guy like him uh, as on the Saturday slate, where if you just maybe try to jam in, jam in Travis Kelsey, uh, might just be the the move to go to, but I mean it's hard not to say Cooper and I don't know. Nico Collins is still interesting to me. Uh, obviously, he, he you know it's it is the Browns defense. They have been awesome against wide receiver ones this year, but he literally is all they've got, right? Like the ball has to yeah. run. Like this offense has to run through Nico Collins, and I do think he is good enough to win. Mm-hmm. You know, in this matchup, so he's still interesting all- if people want to get scared about him. For Cooper, there's also like the sneaky available target share because it doesn't seem like Cedric Tillman's going to go. And Tillman, like for what it's worth, in those four games that Cooper and Joku played, still had 20 targets from Joe Flacco. Um, we've seen this year that if you are important to the team and you suffered a concussion the week prior, you don't have a concussion the following week. Cedric, <laughs> yes. Cedric Tillman probably doesn't qualify as that. Yeah, don't mean to laugh at that, obviously, but it is kind of ridiculous. Um, is Schultz, if, if Schultz ends up, ends up being kind of chalky, John, is that, is that good chalk Dalton Schultz or is it, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think so personally, especially again, if we get Woods and or Noah Brown back in this game, uh, because a lot like the Ravens, just like a defense, we don't target, uh, tight ends against the Browns even are still bottom four in fantasy points allowed per game to opposing tight ends. They do score touchdowns against them. They've scored seven touchdowns this season. But overall, again, the target share, if we're going to disperse it across the board, um, Dalton Schultz is not it for me, especially if he's chalk. Anybody have a take as far as – I know we we really don't run the running game here, right? But it is a six-game slate or a Mm four-game slate or a two-game slate or whatever, uh, depending on what slate you're playing. And I see Richie in chat asking about Ford. If you had to pick one, uh, Rich, you got to pick one of Singletary, Ford, Hunt. uh, Who would you roll with, all things considered? 
Well, I think that there's an argument to be made for at least two of the three. I mean, I think Ford is interesting to a degree because you look at Houston, although they've been excellent against the run, and oh my goodness, the Browns could not run on these guys the first time they played either. Uh, I forget what the actual you know line was of what they had. I think they had like 30-some touches for like 70 yards this game. Both guys did score. But where Houston has been the most vulnerable is, you know, they are 18th in receiving points allowed per game to running backs, and that's kind of where Ford has got gotten there when he has gotten there for fantasy when he hasn't just got like the long run which he hasn't had one i don't think since the colts game but uh ford is uh five his five receiving touchdowns only christian mccaffrey had more so like maybe there's a, an element there to where you play that as like an angle and that's also like cross leverage on like amari cooper or like in joku right if he catches a touchdown um and then devin singletary just literally is getting the workload for houston so like he's by as a byproduct has to be playing this browns defense has been kind of all or nothing against the run i mean they are number one in yards per contact allowed per carry to running backs they're also number 32 in yards allowed after contact per carry uh they will give up some chunk gains uh but they have only allowed five running backs that go over 100 yards a season one was last week which doesn't count so really only four it really reminds me of like a less sexier spot that Kyron Williams is in for Devin Singletary because he's going to get so many touches. And if the Texans do get there, it's also probably an under game. So it really seems like leverage would come through Singletary. All right. We got anything else or shall we move on and talk about the Dolphins and the Chiefs? Moving on. Uh, 44 and a half is a total. Again, this has dropped about three points or so. KC, four point favorites versus the Dolphins. I will go ahead and read what, what Roth said. Uh, this is Kevin Roth, Chief Meteorologist here at Roto-Grinders. Obviously, this will, stuff, this will get updated. But uh, what's out there right now, he's, he has his color coding too, like orange. Orange is a scary. Like red is the worst, but orange can be kind of scary. Uh, absolutely frigid. Actual temp should be around 10 degrees. A kickoff closer to zero by end game. A 10 to 15 mile per hour uh, wind will put feels like temperatures well below zero degrees. Temperatures generally are not a big concern to the game, but extreme cold is impactful, especially when adding in some wind to go along with it. Rich, I never like being like the freak out of a weather guy. I think we typically, as a general rule, we probably overreact too much. But, you know, this is something. Uh, but also, it's, if it's a two-game slate, what are you supposed to do? These are also two offenses that, like, are really good, uh, you know, have great weapons in the passing game. Well, I probably shouldn't say that. Theoretically good weapons for Kansas City. Certainly Miami does. But uh, how much do you care about this? You know, assuming nothing changes, this is basically the forecast. Are you concerned? Do you care? Are people going to overreact? Your thoughts on it? I'm just going to wait until Saturday, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to – on Wednesday night, I'm going to go crazy. I reviewed the game as such uh, as a baseline level and added some notes about the weather. But I don't think until Saturday I'm going to, like, go crazy, right? We don't have to. We don't have to at this Correct. point. Correct. Uh, so I'm not going to, on Wednesday night, you know, I, I'm not a meteorologist, you know, so <laughs> I, I'm going to see what happens. I'm I'm more curious of anyways, like just these two teams in general, where they are. I mean, we, we've seen Miami all year, right? They, they've faced, uh, what, they've played six teams against, uh, six games against teams with a winning, winning record this year, fewest in the NFL, you know, one in five in those games. Uh, the Chiefs have played seven games against team with a winning record. They went three and four. They have faced just pl- five playoff teams and went one and four in those games. The lone win 
against these Miami Dolphins on a neutral site in Germany. And just the state of this, the where the Dolphins are right now, like everything has literally run against them these last the three worst. weeks. I yeah. mean, absolutely stone cold, just, just couldn't run colder uh, for them. And literally, maybe, uh, literally could not have run colder if this is true <laughs> coming in this Saturday night. I mean, the offensive line was already really hurting. We'll see, obviously, Mike McGinnis, so they're optimistic. They get Raheem Mostert and, and Jalen Waddle back. I assume that those dudes, guys do play in some capacity. They lost Bradley Chubb in week 16. They lost two more. They lost Xavier Howard, too, in that game. They lost two more starters last weekend in Jerome Baker and Andrew Van Ginkle. I mean, they are just bleeding out. Like, they are just down bodies. And this is the team that already had a healthier version, lost to the same, lost to the Chiefs team. Uh, so. It's really kind of hard to get on board. I, I do think when you look at this, the Chiefs do have some matchups uh, that 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 do favor them, especially with the injuries. Because when you remove Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips from the board, I mean, they they the Miami Dolphins go from like a top eight pressure rate team to like a bottom four pressure rate team. And when Miami hasn't gotten any pressure on the quarterback, they've been a completely different defense. I mean, they have a lot of league high completion rate when they haven't pressured the quarterback, 22nd in yards or pass attempt, 25th in touchdown rate. When they didn't pressure Josh Allen, on Sunday night, he absolutely cooked them. Like that, I mean, I know like they had a punt return to come back in the game, but like the Bills squandered a bunch of opportunities to really kind of like flood the Dolphins in that game. And then they didn't do anything in the second half of that game. So I do think there's some opportunities, especially when you lose a guy like Jerome Baker, who was their best coverage linebacker. You've got guys like Duke Riley on the field. We've seen what Eli Apple's been on the field. Congrats, you got that free interception last week, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, they're just missing so many people. It is a really tough spot for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it's kind of I, I, uh, if Kansas City was like a little bit better this year, it looked because you know Kansas City's been down bad all season long. It's no secret, and their offense has been uh, you know uninspiring. But the, uh, it feels like it should be like seven or eight or nine. But obviously, KC as far as the line, but uh, that it also sort of speaks to how Kansas City's been pretty inept offensively as well. Do you have a similar read there, John? Like I just often, I'm not like hand of the dirt, you know, defense guy, but it feels like they've lost way too many pieces uh, on this Miami defensive end. I would love to have a different spin, but that's pretty much where I'm at too. I, I don't know how they can throw, you know, they were signing Justin Houston, uh, Emmanuel Ogba, like the list goes on five different veterans over 30 years old who don't even know the scheme. And Vic Fangio is supposed to coach them up and seven days to get ready for a trip to Kansas city in frigid weather. I just don't know how they do it. I do think the chiefs are still interesting though, because it's, as you mentioned, Dean, like going overweight on Isaiah Pacheco, this has become Pacheco's offense for better or worse with Patrick Mahomes being like the world's best game manager of all time and extending the plays when he needs to. Uh, and they're really good at running the ball. They're still top 10 first off and points and yards per drive. So they're still an above average offense, although they're not fun to watch. It's not sexy at all because they're not winning the ways they won previously in their last two Super Bowls. But even their offensive line is creating because it's a offensive line stat, the sixth most yards per carry before contact and then Pacheco he's just running hard honestly is all it is but they're leaning on him his last four full starts after the bye he's averaged 21 and a half touches he's handled 89 percent of the team's running back touches overall and that stretch only Christian McCaffrey has run for more first downs. so it just seems like another spot although Travis Kelsey has an interesting matchup if you if you can get there with the salary it does seem like a spot where Pacheco just stands out in this entire slate two game and the main one do you have a preference among like Rice as the clear number one? And I, I'd love to have your thoughts on Rice, but like, how deep are we digging? Are we are we throwing a dart at MES, a Watson, 
you know, large field stuff. Like theoretically, one of these guys can get loose and just one big catch, one long catch from MBS. If you can hold a little ball, uh, that can help you get there, and it can help you get some of the big, uh, the big spend tickets that you know are really going to put up the big numbers. But uh, yeah, and the other part of it, like you said, John, how much do they need it? <laughs> it's possible they just got to control the ball on the ground, and we'll see. Um, but you have a take when it comes to the, the pass catchers outside of Kelsey, John? You could probably get to Watson as their second receiver, even though you, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a couple targets, and one will probably be a 34-yard catch. You need to hope he gets the second one <laughs> and maybe score a touchdown. But given just the salary restraints we have at uh, cheapies, then Watson's, you know, you can go there. It's fine. I still think Travis Kelsey, as I mentioned, is interesting, if only because – the Dolphins were already just getting smoked by tight ends, but now all these injuries have stacked up immensely, and it's just one after the other. Uh, Jake Ferguson had 45 yards, but then after that, both uh, Isaiah likely had that two-touchdown game. Charlie Kolar came in and had a touchdown. Last week, both Dalton and Caden Dawson Knox scored double-digit fantasy points. They're just really struggling, like Rich said, in that middle of the field because that's where Jerome Baker was lining up, and they just don't have anyone to come off the bench and cover these guys, so... If there was ever a game, and I'm not even saying it's the game. I'm just saying, like, for leverage, if there's ever a game where you're spinning up for Travis Kelsey, the matchup, at least on paper, makes sense. Dude, there was a play. They, they had Melvin Ingram guarding Dalton Kincaid in a play <laughs> last week. It's been ugly, man. Uh, again, no one even knows who, like, Andrew Van Ginkle is, but he was arguably oh, just Gink as is a, the man. Yeah, He's yeah, got he great was, hair. He's on the all-hair team. He was maybe just as important as Bradley Chubb. Like he was having an amazing season, and I, I just cannot believe they've lost so many people these last three weeks. Could not have run worse. Rich, who or how do the the, the Chiefs uh, offensively how do they take advantage of this uh, Miami the the, the the beat up defense here of, of the Dolphins, whatever they're rolling out there? Uh, can, is Pacheco seems like the most obvious route, which is always weird when Mahomes is your quarterback to say that, but that's. That's kind of where I'm at. I wouldn't like not play Mahomes if I'm running out a bunch of lineups, but I think Pacheco is my favorite piece. Uh, your thoughts as far as the Kansas City offense against whatever Miami's rolling out there? Yeah, I don't mind Pacheco from just the usage stance. We've seen, you know, with Jarek McKinnon off the field. I mean, the three full games he's played, I mean, he's had 87%, 88%, and 100% of the backfield touches. So we know we're going to get that usage from him. Miami's injuries, though, are not really to like their primary run stoppers, which does kind of help them out. You know, obviously you've got, you know, the two awesome defensive tackles they got and, you know, they did lose Phillips and Chubb, but those are their edge rushers. So they, they have stopped the run still. So like, I think it does help them in like that short passing game. The chiefs that is helps them in that short passing game. The guys like Kelsey and Rasheed Rice that runs a lot of the underneath stuff because he's not necessarily running all the way downfield. He's got a lot of yak and their target trees concentrated. I mean, the past six weeks, it's Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, the two guys over 20%, Isaiah Pacheco. Like, they're throwing the three guys, and then it's just the rotation of dudes after that. So it's a very concentrated offense. I think we can just play through it in that capacity. You know with Mahomes, you get a little bit of rushing, uh, too, as well. Maybe he becomes a little bit of in, he becomes a, a little bit interesting. But I do think that they'll have some success uh, still with the short passing game. And then on the other side, I think you look at it as – you know, if you're running it back, you know, Devin Achan is still the guy. I think even with Raheem Mostert coming back, I think you most Mostert's going to be a guy that plays in high leverage spots. He's going to have one of these high utilization rates, right? Like when the when he plays snaps, it's probably going to be to touch the football. They're probably not going to waste a lot of snaps on him and pass protection and stuff. So Achan probably stands out as a guy, maybe, you know, if they can establish the run first and get out early because the Chiefs still have one kind of clear weakness and it's defending the run. 
you know, he's he kind of stands out as kind of the explosive guy. I, it sounds really crazy on a team with Tyree Kill, but Tyree Kill definitely looks banged up. Like he <laughs> every target oh, to Tyree yeah. Kill, like the past month, looks like like he's about to go to the sideline. Also, he's facing a Chiefs team that's allowed the fewest yards per game to opposing wide receiver ones. The most yards a wide receiver one has had against them this season is 73 yards. Uh, Tyreek himself only had 62 yards when these teams played. Uh, our guy Joe Gibbs, too, has pointed out that, that the referee assignment for this game is the team, uh, the, the group of referees that call the least amount of defensive pass interference in the NFL this season. So good news for Legarius Sneed, who has the most penalties in the NFL. Uh, maybe he can, maybe he can get away with a couple <laughs> in this. That's game a deep cut can... there from uh, from a sharp there. All right, that's interesting. You know, so that'll be interesting. But I mean, they've given up 200 yard receiving games all year. The Kansas City Chiefs and uh, you know one was uh, Josh Palmer and I'm trying to go back to who the other one was. It was it was another secondary. It was uh, Christian Kirk. Uh, so, I mean, they just haven't given up a lot of production to opposing wide receiver ones, including Tyreek himself. So I think A-Chan is my favorite kind of bring back. He can catch short passes and he can kind of get explosive runs for you in the run game. And they've kind of babied him all year. I don't say babied him, but they haven't fully unleashed him, fully pushed him. He doesn't t- typically get, you know, 20 plus touches. Maybe it's a must win game. Maybe he gets a little bit more, maybe, uh, especially if Mostert's kind of banged up. Uh, if wide receiver two has got a better chance to get there, if Waddle's good to go, maybe he's the better spot when you consider dollar for dollar. We just don't uh, know. Like the dudes yeah. like Waddle and we get to the Eagles game. We just, we're going to be flying blind. Like we have no idea how healthy any of those guys are. It is, it is weird. There all the people that cover the NFL and like, I guess as we get close in, we'll get more information. We're just kind of guessing here. Do you think Waddle say. practices at all this week? I mean, if anything, it'll be limited, right? But I wouldn't think anything. He wouldn't have a full practice. I wouldn't. I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, so but, we're gonna uh, just we like. So we're just like going in in the dark, like on him. Like he could play, a, like what twenty five snaps? Just like you said, high leverage spots. Like we don't know. And then that you can't even look at the rest of the receiving core and say, well, if Waddle doesn't go, we can. Oh well, this guy's terrible. This guy's terrible. And I know they're all cheap, but they're all awful like the Dolphins have no depth as, as far as their receivers um you know chosen I, I don't know who, who we're going to be looking at Wilson if anything but nothing you feel great about John what do you got as far as the Dolphins offense uh Rich has pretty much explained it already uh, I may even be open again just to try to do something different since I do think Mostert will play in important spots he's definitely not going to out snap a chan in this game but he can go back to that role of at least being like the goal line back and the important carries inside the red zone so if that's the case i'm open to playing him i'm open to playing both with Mahomes stacks i'm still trying to sort through it especially if i'm trying to fade flacco in the two game slate i just wanted to say like uh i thought i thought it was a cool thing last week with uh with chris jones the the sack for a million dollars you never see that scenario in the NFL. Like you talk about bonuses and all that, but how, is there a cooler thing to do outside of like winning the Super Bowl? Like you sack that dude, you get a million bucks. Like it's right there. He's a pile of money. You just sack that pile of money. <laughs> and, and it made me think of uh, LT in any given Sunday. You guys were ready? Any given uh, Sunday? No. Yeah. Uh, the whole team. An injury. The whole team yeah. was dancing too. Everyone was in on it. Yeah. Like that. that's when, uh, like, I, I don't know if there, you probably could have bet that. I was looking for it and I couldn't find it, but I, I didn't look at it later in the week, but. What were the odds that I'm getting a sack? Do you know any guys? Any guys know what that was? I thought it was worth exploring because they were going to do their best. <laughs> he was just attacking. Jadevio and Clowney got 500k, I believe, and they nearly had to call a timeout just to like get him off the field. He was dancing so much. Is there a cooler feeling in sports? Like honestly, like walk off homers are cool, but like sack that dude, you get a million bucks. You never see that, but okay. 
I just, just I thought it was like a fun little moment. We also, shall is, is the sack dance the most underrated celebration in sports? <laughs> like, you know, everyone talks like, what do you do on touchdowns? But I think the big dudes, like there's yeah. some creative sack dances out there. I think the sack dance might be the best uh celebratory event in the NFL. Definitely not this every defensive player and the guys on the bench run to the other sideline or run to and, the other end. Like that's and, gotta, we gotta take a picture or row a canoe. We got a moratorium like, oh, this. Yeah. yeah. We got a moratorium mix. It's like, wait, this many guys were even on the field. Like how is everyone <laughs> here? so I say sack dance and I want the chat to answer this. I want the people to tell us also uh let us know in the comment section. I say sack dance who's the first person you think of? I think of that big dude for the Packers that would like shake his belly. Uh, many many years ago, uh, was it a Bashi? Well, no, no, what was the guy's name? It was uh, was it B? Uh, well, he, he, he would like gyrate. Well, yeah, what was the guy? He would gyrate like he BJ would, like, Rashi, like, Gwen what was the name? I know what you're talking about. He had a Gwen Stefani like low cut shirt for some reason, and <laughs> you'd see his belly coming out from under it. Yeah, it was uh, it was BJ <laughs> BJ Raji. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah, that's the first guy I think of. Who's the first guy you so think of? So I'm, I guess I'm showing my age even though rich is older than me but i i always think of it's not even fat guy honestly but i just think the jared allen shovel dig was always like the one who originated like sack dances oh the rodeo the, the rope yeah rock. oh the rodeo yeah chris yeah, dolman i think had one too speaking of vikings uh, you, who you, was, the, really who was the chiefs pass rusher not Derek thomas was it neil smith was that his name it did the, the the baseball bat did the home run every time he got sacked it was, I, I feel like a lot of people do that now, but you think you're saying he was the originator of that? Oh, yeah, he was like he was like the old school originator. Like he played with Derek Thomas. I, I, I think I think I got the name wrong, but um, I'm not sure. It is Neil something for sure. I do know that. All right. Um well let me it is Neil Smith. Smith. I had no, I had it right. It is Neil Smith. All right. Um that was okay. good. I, I, the sack dance though. The, it's a good call. He, it is underrated. And uh, you know, I would dance too if I if I sack the dude. <laughs> That's worth uh yeah, we got Sean and Jack confirming it was Neil Smith with the old sack dance. That is the Saturday slate. Do we want to plant a flag on somebody on Saturday? Let's do that. We'll do one for each day. Uh John, plant a flag. Somebody in the Saturday games we've talked about, Kansas City, Miami, uh, Cleveland, Houston. Who's the one player that's gonna break the slate? I don't know about break the slate, but I do like getting leverage with Texas defense. So I will do the first ever boring flag plant defense. How about that? <laughs> 11 players. 11. Plus. All 11. <laughs> what do you got, Rich? I, I'll say Travis Kelsey. We've chased the ghost a lot. I'll just go back one more time. Listen, it's what's another weekend of me losing money on Travis Kelsey? Yeah, well, we might have a couple more if they beat Miami. The, I think they're going to beat The five Miami. game or the six game, the main slate, he's going to be there for the taking. I can't imagine a lot of people get to him because they're going to be trying to jam in so many Rams and Cowboys games players. Oh, yeah. Um, the wide so receivers like, on Sunday are good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like Kelsey in the mains, really, really fun. Very first game on Sunday Pittsburgh Steelers at Buffalo. Buffalo is a minus 10 point favorite. 36 and a half is the total. And again, this is another game that is expected to have some rough weather. It's really quick. It just says cold, windy, potentially some snow. Uh, temperatures will be in the 20s with sustained winds around 15 miles per hour, gusts around 30. Rich, you kind of teased this. It's like, man, Pittsburgh just wants Najee to run the ball 30 times. Uh, if They have, they want to have like 11-minute drives, four yards, four yards, four yards, and then maybe Warren will come in and he'll get four yards. And, um, yeah, I – 
This is one of the worst teams to make the playoffs, right? I'm sure it's worse. I shouldn't say that, but it feels like right now they currently, they currently, and I know weather has factored into some of this. They currently have the lowest implied team total of any playoff team since 2002. (laughs) 13.25. That's what I'm seeing at Roto Grinders. Is that more more or less what you're looking at? 13 ish. Yeah. Um, You want to sell me any, you know, if you want to tell that story, that's what they're going to try to do, right? They're going to try to establish. Yeah, I mean, if you think the weather is that this bad, then you look at that. You go to DraftKings or FanDuel, your book of choice, and you see those Najee Harris fourteen and a half carries, <laughs> and you say, "All right, I don't care how many yards he gets on him, they're going to keep trying." Uh, because Jalen Warren had two fumbles in the rain last week. Like, you know, the Steelers are thirty-first in the NFL in dropback rate when leading at any point. And in the second half, uh, they're dead last in dropback rates. Like if they're like any, if any time they can run the football and are allowed to run the football, they're going to try no matter if they're good at it or bad at it. Uh, the Mason Rudolph thing is, I mean, it just feels so unsustainable. I mean, obviously he's had two great matchups against teams that we have targeted basically the whole back half of the year against the Bengals and Seahawks. And then had this punt game last week. He's thrown three touchdowns. They're 86 yards, 66 yards, and 71 yards. Um, Aaron Paul meme that shit. Like he just can't keep getting away with it. Like, <laughs> like I mean, and the Bills have and the Bills have legitimately been awesome. Like they are first in the NFL in sack differential. Like, because they put this thing together with you know duct tape and bubblegum all year. They've had a slew of injuries, and this defense has just kept putting out good performance after good performance. Uh, but they're number one in sack differential, they're number one in sack differential at home. Uh, the end of the season, third in passing points allowed per game, uh, eighth in, in uh, yards for pass attempt allowed. Uh, so, I mean, it is a totally different test than what Mason Rudolph and this offense and how they've operated uh, the past three weeks because the Bills are also excellent against the run. They started off the season kind of bad against the run uh, in the first six weeks, and they've corrected those issues because uh, since since the opening six weeks, they've allowed 3.9 yards per carry to running backs. That's the 11th, 11th in the NFL. They've allowed five rushing touchdowns to running backs. That's fifth in the NFL. 2.6 yards after contact per carry. That's sixth in the NFL. And they haven't allowed a running back to go over 80 yards in a game against them since week six. So this is a totally different dynamic than how the Steelers have operated. We'll see if, uh, you know, Mother Nature uh, gets in the way of this one or not. The, the Dolphins were going to get there last week. I still have no idea why they took their foot off the gas and uh, got away from the running back carries because they did average, they had 17 running back carries in the first half and they averaged six yards per carry and five of them uh, went for 10 yard gains. And then they only had three running back carries in the second half, despite leading by only a touchdown. It was a really weird game plan. John, you want to sell us anybody as far as Pittsburgh, uh, Rudolph, Harris, uh, Pickens, Johnson. I think Harris is probably like the most logical one, you know, large field stuff. If you want to throw darts at Pickens and Johnson, I imagine they're not going to get much ownership at all. Uh, nobody's going to play Rudolph, and that gets weird that nobody's going to play a quarterback on like a well, small, very small slates, depending on what slate you're playing. But I don't, I don't really see the path. Like I don't see how it happens. I, like maybe right. a seventy-yard slant or something, and just like a, a missed tackle, and that's how you get there. I don't. Is know. even one of Pickens those going to be here. enough though on this on yeah. that particular on the Sunday slate? When right. We talk, I mean, <laughs> Like if if you want to get some leverage, you could go to Jordan Love even, um, who ha- who has shown us a ceiling. But I don't think Mason Rudolph in this game can get there. Uh, having said that, is there an advantage because the Steelers basically played this same game just last week and the same weather? If it holds up, 
maybe a little bit. And the fact Najee Harris even got involved in the passing game finally last week without Matt Canada for five catches, a little bit was due in part to the two fumbles Jalen Warren had. Um, but yeah, I think Najee Harris, at least from a touch base stance, is interesting because I'm still worried about the Bills' offense. That everyone's citing the win loss record, but it's like when I say Tyra Taylor was the best Giants quarterback. It's all relative. But the Bill, the Bills' offense has been worse under Joe Brady. Like now, in that time and this seven game stretch, they're 11th in explosive pass rate, 17th in yards per play, and just ninth in scoring drive percentage. And so, if the Steelers are hanging around, like is it, is it enough for them to upset this game? I, I'm I'm genuinely worried. I'm a little bit worried about the Bills in this one. Uh, Eventually, one offense. of these seven seeds is going to win. Uh, it's been a complete flop so far. Well, not for the NFL. Yeah. They're print, they're printing money. They're making uh, money. That's they're printing money. Yeah. So it has been. But but the the seven seeds are zero and six, and not one of them has been uh, a touchdown dog or better. They've all all of these games have been seven or more points. So like we we haven't needed it, but. Uh, Eventually, one of these teams will win, right? Like, and be like and the pull off all these upsets. The TJ Watt, the TJ Watt injury is a lot like uh, how you mentioned Reeves about the Dolphins losing their edge rushers, but not their run, like their run stuffers. Like TJ Watt's important for every aspect of defense. I get it, but also like he's he's most important because he's rushing Josh Allen, and that's not who the Bills' offense is. Like they only became that last week because they had to, but they've still been a run heavy team under Brady. So I don't think the Watt absence is as crucial as a lot of people make it out to be in this spot. Uh, John, continue that thought as far as Buffalo's offense. Uh, I, I think Allen's kind of interesting. I think it's interesting to play as like an a la carte piece. It's like by himself. Maybe that's a little bit different. Uh, and he's running a fair bit. Yeah. Like, you know, oh. he can do like the, the tush push stuff uh, at the goal line as well. And I don't know if you need to attach a receiver to him. We've talked a lot in this show about how Diggs has been, Mostly disappointing. We don't know about Gabe Davis. Uh, he got injured last game, obviously. We'll see. Uh, we know his uh, variance, 0 to 100. You never really know what you're going to get with Gabe. But uh, I, I'm considering Allen is just like kind of by himself. Uh, don't mind Cook either, of course, in that backfield. But if you're playing some bills here, John, offensively, how would you build your stacks or maybe just uh, one-offs, however you want to attack it? In this kind of environment where you don't think he grows through the air and is a rushing quarterback – I guess I can see it, but the issue is that he's really living off of this, like the Jalen Hurts aspect, when if you take away these these bunny touchdowns, what becomes of this player? And so I'm a little concerned. He does have at least eight carries in all but one of his last six games, but even then, just to rattle off eight touchdowns in his last six contests, like, and all rush, uh, eight rushing touchdowns, I should say, that's wild. And a lot of it does come because they, they invent, or they brought along the tush push under Brady, so... To me, that seems like it can't happen forever. But again, in this game where we don't think they're going to go through the air, if you want to play, I'm sure, because I imagine Goff and Staff are going to acquire a lot of ownership on this one. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned with the Bills offense, just to, you know the old Milton Burrow game, just enough to win. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how much Pittsburgh's going to push back offensively. We'll see. But uh, Rich, uh, your thoughts as far as the Bills um offensively yeah, I think it just depends on the you know how much the weather impacts the bills aggressiveness right I mean they, they haven't run it well with James Cook since the Cowboys game they've run it better with Josh Allen uh because I mean TJ Watt I mean listen seventh in the NFL in pressures first in quarterback hits first in sacks when the Steelers have pressured the opposing quarterback they've had a 45 percent completion rate uh they're seventh in quarterback rating 
when they have not pe- pressured the opposing quarterback, 67% completion rate, 20th in yards for pass attempt, 19th in passing touchdowns allowed, 10th in quarterback rating. Uh, and Allen has been a different quarterback when he's been pressured or not this season. So there is a path where it's hugely impactful. Watt did not play in this game last year when they played, and they only pressured Allen on 15% of his dropbacks in that massive boat race that they had. That was like the Gabe Davis caught like a 99-yard touchdown or some <laughs> shit in that game. Um, and then he and, shot you know, the boards in the offseason and became like yeah. a third-round pick or something like that. Or but when Allen was kept clean in that game, 10 yards for pass attempt. Uh, I mean, I definitely don't think, especially with the back-end pieces that the Steelers have, like – there's an opportunity here for the Bills, especially Khalil Shakur. I think if if we don't get Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakur definitely stands out. Obviously, he got the big bump last week, but that's where Steelers have been kind of the most vulnerable, right, to these slot receivers. Uh, they're 30th in yards per target to slot receivers. So Shakur is like kind of like like you said, maybe like a one-off or a cheap stacking partner becomes interesting. Uh, maybe Kincaidu. They finally started throwing the ball to yeah. downfield. He's at downfield targets the past two weeks. It took It took 17 weeks. For for some for this to happen, but uh, he's got four targets on twenty yards or more downfield. He had three before week seventeen. He had four of the past two games. Who knew, right? If if you told me they schemed their offense optimally in this game, I would be all over the Bills. I am very skeptical, though, based on how yeah. they want to play. Yeah, I think Dean's uh, layout of like doing what's enough to win. Yeah, feels <laughs> like the the path here. It's which means none of us win. Yeah, like you, you want optimal stuff, and like I don't know how much they actually have to do in this game, and what's Pittsburgh's offense going to do? Like, it feels like this could be like a seventeen to six kind of game, like a seventeen to three kind of game. Uh, you never really know, you know. It, it, they play the games that the Steelers are paid to, and things happen, lots of variants. But oh, that's kind of where do I'm the at. Steelers thing. They'll be they'll hang around here. Do you like uh, Do you like Pittsburgh plus ten? Well, the only two only two seven seeds have covered since they've expanded, and both came <laughs> against the Bills. Well, there you go. All right, that's that's something. That I, it was not just the line, but the line, uh, uh, not just the total. The total dropped, and Buffalo expanded as far as becoming a bigger favorite, which I think is weird because the offensive setup, the Pittsburgh's. This is what Pittsburgh wants. They want the weather to be as miserable as possible. The more miserable, like the more like the skill is nullified. Right? Am I wrong to say that? I feel like. You want it to be an absolute disaster out there. So, like, whatever skill level you have, it's diminished to some yeah. degree. But uh, I, took, I took the Steelers plus 10 since this is a betting show. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear that. I was thinking of Allen uh, rushing yards, but, like, my book has it, like, four points higher, four yards higher than everywhere else I'm seeing it. And I was too stubborn to bet. What about it. Like, the yeah. actual attempts, though? I, I did not look into that. Is that something we should talk about? What is yeah, it? Seven, because eight, it's nine? usually been like seven and a half, and it's been like Daniel said, he's been getting there every week. Last week it was seven and a half, and I think he had 15. So kneel downs are technically, uh, if you're thinking like ahead, the kneel downs are, are rushing right. attempts, right? I, I like just from a raw attempt perspective, especially if it's snowy, like he's going to get eight rushing attempts. Oh, yeah. I like it. I think that's a pretty good. I, I've not uh, looked into that one. And you don't but, care how many uh, yards he gets on him. You just don't care. No. No, uh, maybe you can box it too. You can. I don't know if you can, you're allowed to pair them or not. Some books won't you do that because there's some correlation. But, anyways, anything else as far as Pittsburgh uh, and Buffalo, or shall we move on? I believe we're no, moving let's get on, to the correct? fun games. These three games, these like you got to fight through these three games. But I guess Browns uh, Texans definitely has a clear path to being fun. But plus, like Chiefs Dolphins, I'm gonna be. I'm not expecting anything, but I'm be locked in because I have so many questions about the Chiefs. Like I just need to. I need to see something. Give me something. 
Did want to mention first uh, Sim Labs. If you guys are not aware, if you're a combo member at Rotor Grinders, an NFL premium subscriber, you have access to NFL Sim Labs. But well, what else is here? What just dropped? NBA. It's NBA season. We're talking NBA every single day here on this channel. If you guys are not aware, use Sim Labs to generate DFS lineups with the power of simulation. It combines data from every aspect of the slate to turn out lineups that match your preferences. Just a few clicks, you have hundreds of well built correlated lineups ready to go for whatever contest type you're playing. Now, again, including NBA, NBA Sim Labs, it is free right now while it is in beta mode. Uh, I believe it's going to be free up until, well, last I heard was possibly Sunday. Do not hold that to me, uh, uh, but uh, just be aware. Uh, at some point, that's going to go away as far as free. But if you want to test out the product, do so. Uh, t- test out NBA Sim Labs here at Rotor Grinders, free for the next several days. Also wanted to mention, uh, speaking of RG and RG Premium, you can get that for free. How do you do that? You get yourself a month free of Roto Grinders Premium if you just win our Listener League. Win the Listener League, get yourself a month free. Shout out to Weasel, Weasel19. We lost to a Weasel last week. Uh, Weasel19 <laughs> took it down. Shout out to you. By the way, uh, Fog Ducker, uh, we want to get you some premium, so contact us. You uh, took it down in week 17, uh, but Weasel19 has already been juiced up. Good luck going forward. Rich, by the way, did win amongst us. We all participate as well. The link will be uh, in the description. The link will be in the chat as well if you want to participate. For what it's worth, it is the three-gamer, the three-gamer on DK that it automatically generates, and that's what they gave us uh, to play with uh, going forward to this week. And I believe, uh, I think this is the last, but we'll see. We'll talk about that as far as how much longer we'll be doing the listener league. This might be it, though. might be your last chance. Okay. The last game, not the last game, the next no. game uh, we're talking about uh, for Sunday is uh, Green Bay. Green Bay and Dallas, this is where the fun starts, Rich. 50.5 is the total. The Packers are 7.5-point dogs here to the Cowboys. I think they're kind of sort of somewhat live. I know John kind of hinted at it. You don't? Okay. So I think this me. is the biggest blowout on the slate. Woo! Oh, okay, let's hear it. I want a hot take. Give it to me. Well, I mean, the, look at the quarterbacks the Packers have faced. They face not they have the the best quarterback they face is Kirk Cousins. Like, when was that? Week two or something? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they faced one QB one in fantasy points per game this season. It was Kirk Cousins, and now it's a game without Justin Jefferson. Before he left, it was averaging nine yards per pass attempt and two touchdowns. Like they have faced no good quarterbacks at all over the course of the season. I mean, I, I granted Patrick Mahomes is a good real life quarterback, but like. The, They've they faced like nobody playing great quarterback play this season at the level of Dak Prescott is playing this season. We're getting the Cowboys at home and the Packers are another one of these teams like they don't rush the quarterback like they're dead. They're dead. They're absolutely drawing dead. We saw it two weeks ago when Baker or three weeks ago when Baker Mayfield shredded them when Bryce Young was able to get them. I mean, we've got this this Cowboys defense that can generate pressure, which has been Jordan Love's like still primary bugaboo, even on this hot run he's had. Uh, we've got Cowboys at home where they've won six games by 20 or more points. I mean, granted, it might come back and eat this, like whatever, you clip it, whatever. I think the Cowboys absolutely flood the Packers in this game. BJ Raji is not walking through that door. Is that what you're saying? Defensively for the Packers? <laughs> he might. They, may <laughs> they might need him. <laughs> uh, all right. John, well, I mean, I, I you know, uh, I'm easily swayed and Rich has me swayed. It's like, oh, you know what? That was a lot of good points. So maybe I haven't been anything. I mean, I have a bunch of more like in the worksheet. I wrote up like a bunch of detailed stats about like how the Packers, like if they don't get the deck, like they're just going to get cooked. They're going to get absolutely fried in this game. If they can't, if they don't have like an absurd pressure rate, like they're going to get absolutely just roasted. Point counterpoint, John, tell us why the Packers might hang around. 
how volatile love has been. We've seen in the second half of the season, uh, their stats about the pass blocking have increased. They've kept them cleaner, but also it's really just comes down to the play calling with Matt LaFleur because really since week nine on, they've just asked him to get rid of the ball quickly and design things closer to him. Um, 46% of his passes he's gotten rid of in two and a half seconds. And in those, he's averaging 10 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And so if he is under pressure, you would think that's the game plan. But like Rich said, if they're flooded anyways, it's basically going to take away a lot of the options here because the Cowboys defense has done similar to what James Cook has done and being opposite since they played one another. And the Cowboys have had some good matchups too, even a couple weeks ago to play the Lions. Like they contained both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery in that game throughout. And so whether A.J. Dillon plays or not, you know, we saw Aaron Jones finally get passing game usage with five targets, five catches last week, and he is getting the touches overall. So maybe he gets there just because of the touches. But honestly, you're looking at probably piecing together Packers receivers opposite the Cowboys if you think the Cowboys dunk on them. And if that's the case, we're really just in a waiting game. Um, this, this spot is actually so interesting for the main slate too because no one's late swapping like on a six game slate. And like, if we could take down the Packers wide receivers, cause we just don't know who we're getting right now. And if that's the case, like we could just wait it out. I don't know how the hell Bo Melton hid on their practice squad all season long because he seems pretty good. But even after Romeo Dobbs left last week, it was Melton who had a team high 23% target share. Um, he played in three wide sets as well. Cause Jaden Reed still only comes on as the team's third receiver. Jaden Reed still gets there cause he's awesome at football, but it was really Bo Melton, Dontavian Wicks and the read behind them with a the route on 78% of dropback. So I'm kind of just waiting it out to see what happens with Dobbs and Christian Watson. It's a lot like rich alluded to last week and that the Packers don't ever play their players returning from injury full-time. We even yeah. got that last week with Luke Musgrave as well, who was basically non-existent. And Tucker Craft still was out there for every single snap, despite Musgrave being available. So even if Watson plays, I think we may actually just get reduced ownership. Um, and, and like that'll benefit us as opposed to like still wanting to roster him. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, is just waiting and seeing and using those spots for Packers receivers in particular. I love that call on the uh, Watson. It just feels like it's just not going to happen. He hasn't played in, what, a month and a half or so or something like that. Um, But week 13 is when we last saw him. Going into the season, he was, like, you know, the number one most hype guy on this uh, roster. But they're really young, and they seem to be really talented. Uh, Keep an eye on the injuries as far as Dobbs, as far as Watson. But I think that's a great great, uh, read as far as uh, even if Watson comes back, be be afraid. Because the price is $4,500 for Watson. That that seems interesting. I don't know. I don't trust it. And John, I just do don't know if one of these yeah. cheap guys gets you there with a touchdown on this particular slate. Like this Sunday slate, they, there's wide receivers on the Sunday slate that could have 30, man. Like eat, like there's got multiple of these guys could have 30. Are we thinking four and two? Like four four receivers, two running backs? Is the, I think is the that it's, it's a definite four wide receiver yeah. slate. Especially on so DraftKings. And I think probably on FanDuel too, to be honest. Because are you going to want to play Aaron Jones, or do either of the guys in the first game we talked about have the upside? I guess you could, I mean, you have to play two running backs. So, like, you're probably maybe that's where you say, like, all right, maybe I'll try Najee out, or you throw a dart on a Tony Pollard. Oh, 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 you're talking about the sixth game. I'm talking about the Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Continue. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, Pollard, no one's wanting to play him. You got Aaron Jones in a game where there were seven point road dogs. Like Daigle said, since that, the lot, since everyone thought like the, the James Cook game, everyone was like, oh, well, 
they're just going to get run on the rest of the year. They've been awesome. And they face good run teams. Like they faced mm-hmm. the Dolphins after that. Then they faced the, the Lions and they held those teams in check. Like they rallied. Uh, and then in the late game, like we'll talk about some of the guys there that could be kind of trap spots like Kyron Williams, maybe. So like, yeah, I feel like it is a four wide receiver, probably even on FanDuel. I, the only, for Sunday, I would just argue you probably need one of the cheap guys unless you see a path to where we can get up to everyone without playing one of these cheap Packers receivers. Your favorite cheap receiver, Rich, on Green Bay. I know Wednesday it's tough and we're not even sure who's playing, but the best you can do with that is like, you know, I the, the best ideal setup, let's say they're all playing or even if Watson doesn't play, you can still give an answer. Uh, I mean, if I, I, I haven't looked at the salaries to see what Reed is, but uh, if I had to, a, like close to punt, I would say Wicks. Uh, you know, he's four, still eight on DK. What's that? Wicks is four eight, Dobbs is five four, Watson four five, Melton three three for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, I still would lean Wicks just in a vacuum. Obviously, if you need the salary, you know, throw whatever dart you need to throw. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another guy. What's Josh Reynolds? Uh, <laughs> Josh Reynolds is three eight. Oh, yeah, I'd much rather play Josh Reynolds than. When we get Raymond to there, I guess two. we can talk about it. And Demarcus Robinson, what's he? Uh, Demarcus, I think he's in the four, uh, three okay. six. He's actually three six. Oh yeah. The, the, yeah, those two guys I think are way more appealing to me than chasing any of the Packers receivers. I'd um, be I, I'd be open to Tucker Craft too. I think I'd run it back if I just need to get down at tight end on Sunday. Uh, main slate, like Rich said, I think Travis Kelsey fitting him in is really interesting. But cheapy little Tucker Craft whose salary never moves, I'd be interested in. Three, three. How much are you prioritizing Lamb here, uh, Rich? It sounds like you like this Dallas offense. Is Lamb just your favorite receiver on the weekend? Uh, I mean, it's tough. Game, it I mean, like. the, uh, I think you can make a case for Lamb, Amon Ra, and your Rams, you know, d- d- decision of choice to make between Cup and Puka, which is sure. so damn hard every week. But, uh, I mean, yeah, dude, how can we not? Like, like since week six, he, he leads the NFL in targets per game, receptions per game, receiving yards per game, receiving touchdowns. He scored a touchdown in nine straight games. Uh, the top two coverages that Green Bay runs, cover one and cover three. He has the most receiving yards in the NFL against cover one, seventh most against cover three. He moves inside and out. The Packers are getting smoked by slot receivers, so he can get away from Jair Alexander if you're scared of Jair Alexander. I know it doesn't really matter, but when these teams played last year, he also had 150 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> against this defense. Like, I mean, I don't know how. Indoors, like, the way Dak's playing, and then, then like I said, like, when Dak's been kept clean, like, I, I mean, Lamb, he just feels like such a smash. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get much pushback from that. The only pushback is probably just salary stuff, you know, yep. lineup construction. You know, certainly you're not, you're not going to be upset if Lamb is on your team. Uh, Pollard, did we mention Pollard? Are we ignoring Pollard? Do we don't want to talk about Pollard? We can't ignore him against this run defense, unfortunately. Like, but I want to. <laughs> yeah. Dowdle? Dowdle? Too ambitious? Super punt. You got a large, that's going to be a super large field. Yeah. But yeah there's how you get, there's how you get an extra receiver. That's how, you know, you're just going all out with the receivers and you're just basically going to run like he's one got a score touchdown if you do it. But they're yeah. starting to use Dowdle as a pass catcher, though, heavily. Like, he's getting way more targets than Tony Pollard is getting. Like, he's coming in, and almost they're dialing up a couple screens for him and, and near the red zone screens. Season high in targets last week, four, uh, two and three the previous weeks. But typically, like you're, to your point, like it's one or zero. So getting more. Um, he's, five, he's 5K on FanDuel, and he's – what is he on DraftKings? Four, six. 
FanDuel 5K is a lot better than 4-6 on DraftKings. I think so. Yeah. Oliver, Oliver was having a good game too, and they still use Dowdle. Uh, is that, yeah, that seems like an interesting. Uh, Are we, we're getting Pollard as a huge home favorite against a team that gen, generally has not stopped <laughs> the run in bulk this year. So, like, we can't, he can't be ignored, but also, I don't know. Yeah. He has not had like one, like, Big game all season. Yeah, he hasn't had like that 30 pointer, man. Like I feel like even if he gets there, he's not gonna drag me. He has not had 20 uh 23 points all season on DK. Yeah, so I just feel like even if he hits and has a touchdown, that like he's just not going to and he's not, his salary is not really you're not really saving anything. That's the thing. Like it's not cheap enough to like tantalize you. Yeah, dude, man. seven eight on FanDuel and yeah. Yeah. But on paper, like the, the, the lead back, uh, you know, a team of 51 total, like 10 point, seven and a half point favorite. Like, how do you not want this guy? It's like, oh no, that's the guy. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I want him now. Return. Um, all right. Anything else we should say as far as Packers, Cowboys, or shall we move on? We are moving on. Rams yeah, Detroit. Fun game. Am I wrong to say that like Sunday night is like the premier night as far as uh, schedule wise and as far as like viewership? That's the game that's going to get the most. Yeah, because it has it has everything, right? Like you, so you've got the narrative angle. You've got the Stafford returning to Detroit, Goff yeah. versus the team that jettisoned him, uh, Ben Johnson working under Sean McVay, Brad Holmes coming from the Rams. You also have like people love to root for like the downtrodden franchises too. I mean, this is the first game, playoff game in Detroit since 1993. They haven't won a playoff game since 1991, which is not only the longest drought in the NFL, it's the longest drought in the four major sports. And then from a fantasy side, it has the highest game total. Like this game literally has a little bit of something for everyone, no matter what, you know, avenue you come in from an approach of, of wanting to watch this game. Yeah. I was thinking like general public wise, like I'm not surprised at all. Cleveland and Houston gets the early Saturday. Like that's not surprising. I just thought Dallas, like Dallas, Green Bay, two historic. I thought that would be like the Sunday night game. Um, and it's still in a good spot, right? It's just, I was a little bit surprised that Rams, I get why. And I, I'm not saying you're wrong in this game, probably. Rams Detroit, if I had to bet which one's like the most fun, probably Rams Detroit. Uh, 51 and a half is a total Detroit, like three-point favorite, high and tight. Uh, I'll let you open this up here, John. Uh, Rams Detroit, start wherever you want to start. I will. Rich mentioned Amon Ron Reynolds, so I'll leave the Lions side for him. I'll take the Rams side. Uh, so far, we've seen this year that the league average yards per play is 5.2. It closed after week 18. The Lions on the year averaged 5.9 yards per play as an obviously elite offense. But with Matthew Stafford, Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, and Puka Nakua on the field, the Rams have averaged 6.7 yards per play this year. So we think the Rams, especially against this Lions secondary, will continue to move the ball with ease. And that's what kind of makes it a lot of fun because we don't think – Kyron Williams can get there. Um, we've been in this spot before where if you're running back getting 30 touches, you can step, you can definitely fall forward with touchdowns and shove it right back in our faces. But the only two running backs to eclipse 20 PPR points against Detroit since their bye in week 10, Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara, they really did that through the air with eight and 11 receiving points in those games, as opposed to on the ground. And in that span, Detroit is allowing only 3.3 yards per carry to opposing running backs. So it does seem like a bit of a trap ownership spot on the main slate and Sunday for Kyron. The thing is, and I'm so glad redraft season ended before we could reach this point. And it's because 
the Rams now, as Rich even touched on Demarcus Robinson, like the Rams have someone else soaking up target share now. And I, I wouldn't be able to sort it out through start-sit decisions because in their last four games together since Robinson became a full-time player in the lineup and three wide sets, it is Cooper Cup with a 25% target share, Puka with a 24%, and then Demarcus Robinson with a 20% target share. And that In those four games as well, he's actually tied for the league lead at end zone targets, a lot like how the team was using Odell Beckham during their Super Bowl run. So Robinson is not only a player to like pay down for with Stafford, to one-off even if you want exposure to this game, like he's being used like a ceiling receiver in this offense in a great spot. Is this like Got the sixth, is this the sixth week in a row, Reeves? Muted. Oh, I was on mute. My apologies. Good I'm Lord sure you're making a good point though. Yeah, yeah. get <laughs> one out the door. I'll just throw it to Rich and I'll put on my dunce cap and stand in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we're getting we talked about like the Dallas like home splits. I mean, Detroit's been just as different, right? Like, I mean, they they actually lead, they've actually scored touchdowns at a higher rate per drive at home than the Cowboys have. Um, I think that the, this game is going to be massively fun. Both both pass defenses, I don't think, are going to stop either pass offense. I think that the loss of Laporta definitely is probably a potentially big deal. But I'm probably – because I think everyone's – a lot of the public's picking the Rams here. I kind of like the Lions here, and it's because of their run game. Uh, I, I think they're going to be able to run. Uh, first of all, they've run on everybody. Like, no matter what, they've run the ball on everybody. Uh, they're second in the NFL. Their running backs are in – uh carries this season rushing yards their second rushing touchdowns this season they've had bad matchups and they run on them this is not uh, a bad matchup uh you know go, going against a team that's middle of the pack and yards for Carolina to running backs 18th in success rate against running backs I think the Lions are gonna be able to run the football on the Rams also when you look at what the Rams do defensively it's all the things Jared Goff has been good against like so you want to disrupt Jared Goff you want to blitz him you want to be able to create pressure uh, you want to be able to play man coverage. The Rams do none of those things. Uh, he, he's 22nd in the NFL in pass rating against pressure, 20th against man coverage, uh, 12th against the blitz. Rams, uh, 17th in pressure rate. Uh, blitz only the 16th highest rate of the time. They play man coverage the 28th highest rate of the time. Jared Goff has thrown the most touchdowns against zone coverage in the league. He's also thrown the most touchdowns against the coverages that the Rams run, cover three, cover four, and cover six. Uh, the loss of Laporta is a big deal. We've also seen this Rams kind of defense catch up to them over the back half of the season. Uh, since they're by, they're allowing two passing touchdowns per game. That's 29th in the NFL. I do think the Lions have a lot of offensive success here. Uh, we'll see what Laporta, the loss of him means. I also don't think the Lions are going to stop the Rams passing game either, but uh, that's what kind of sets this up. Uh, it, this is the bonanza game, man. When I, when I ran when I ran my projections, it, it actually did grade the Lions a lot better in this game than I thought. Whereas, like, I do think the Rams are more of a threat to make a Super Bowl run, but this is a very dangerous game. It seems like the line is perfect because it will be close. It looks pretty likely Laporta, if not fully out, he's going to be limited, or I can't really – what was the exact line from Coach? Like, long shot? He's got – you know, yeah. it doesn't look spectacular. We'll see. Uh, if he's limited or, like, not playing at all, do we care about Mitchell or Brock Wright? Do we consider no. them as, like, cheap, flat-out punt tight ends? Okay, No, so because we've seen this last year. When they traded TJ Hawkinson, they shifted everything to the running backs. And that's kind of what makes this interesting, you know, because the Rams have actually been really good against running backs out of the backfield. And that includes allowing only 19 receiving yards to Christian McCaffrey, just 16 receiving yards to Alvin Kamara a couple weeks ago. But when they traded TJ Hawkinson last year, 
Well, prior to prior to the trade of TJ Hawkins, and they had targeted their running backs 17.5% of the time. Guess what their target rate is targeting running backs with Sam Laporta this year? 17.8. Literally identical. When they when they traded away Hawkinson, they became second in the NFL in target rate to running backs at 24% of the time. They have yet to really use Jameer Gibbs as a pass catcher. Uh, but th- if they we kind of go by how Ben Johnson ca- calibrated this offense, losing kind of his pass catching tight end. I would assume those targets do go to those guys because, and then you'll get some trickle down through like Jameson Williams and then Josh Reynolds, uh, who also has a, re- a revenge game narrative street for him too. Oh, yeah. uh, if we want to, we want to go down that road as well. Cause Khalif Raymond probably isn't going to play in this game either. Another lion that got hurt. That was a substantial you know, part of the special teams game and creating big plays in the passing game that Dan Campbell decided uh, was expendable as <laughs> well by playing in week 18. So I do like Josh Reynolds a little bit. I think Gibbs catches more passes. That does it still is a a, a, a friends matchup. Also, books are cowards, dude. They took so they're not even posting Jameer Gibbs' longest rush. Not oh. even posting. Oh, they, yeah, they didn't post it last week. It's hit it's, ten it's, weeks in a row. <laughs> ten weeks in a row. It's hit that they posted. They didn't. They didn't post it last week. Neither book posted it. Uh, they haven't posted it yet this week. Cowards. Cowards. Do we like Jamison Williams? Uh, he no. practiced in full. No, you don't like it. You know, like you as a touchdown and a one. One big play. No. Yeah, just one big play. Uh, he's not going to get a ton of volume, right? But uh, yeah. they might script a play for him, right? They, the thing is, is that even when he's had his big plays, he still has not had any fantasy relevant games. Okay. All right. Uh, John, if you you're going to build, that's the problem. John, let's say this is like a showdown for whatever. You're going to obviously play this in showdown as well. Like, how would you build like the stack in this game? Stafford, well, it's hard to play from Stafford because you also then got to get Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua right. Because uh, I do want, <laughs> I still want to play Rob, I still want to play Robinson. Maybe Goff, Gibbs, and Amon Raw, and Robinson coming back. Okay, uh, Rich, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I definitely think I want I definitely want exposure because we're going to be playing a lot of wide receivers. But I definitely, in the larger of my field size increases, want to be playing Lions running backs, probably even David Montgomery, uh, just because he's probably going to come in substantially lower owned than Gibbs. Always and, does, yeah. And it's kind People, of uh, yeah. And it is really a true like 50-50 split too between these guys, and even in the goal line, like there's like no clear like. Like we know Gibbs is going to play more snaps because he plays passing downs, but literally on from a touch count and who gets like the money touches, these guys are, have been kind of interchangeable. I'm checking our projection. I'm curious at how close it is between those two. Uh, we have 17 DK points as a median score for Gibbs and about 13 and a half for Montgomery. I thought it'd be a little closer than that. Uh, Gibbs a little bit more expensive, but you know, dollar for dollar Gibbs looks a lot better, but ownership wise, it's going to reflect. By the way, a shout out to Derek Cardi. I have no idea if he listens, but last week he took a stand all the way up to lineup lock when things changed. So he had to adjust a little bit, but all week long he had Nick Mullins as his number one quarterback on the slate. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Nick Mullins took down the slate. Yeah, I think the cash game king, uh, I think uh, Overzet took it. <laughs> I was, I, everybody out there had, a, and you know what? I, I'll, I'll take the fall on this one. I, I played a little cash games and I was stubborn. I'm like, no, I'm not playing Mullins. I didn't do it. And I, it, it burned me. And I felt okay about it for like a quarter and a half. And then he threw like for 380 yards and really stuck it to me. It was um, Mullins, Justin Jefferson, and CeeDee Lamb is like all you need to play. And you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, it's it feel, I know it's like in the moment and it's hard to kind of step back, but do you guys feel like this season more than most seasons, like it was just more chalk than it's ever been? I feel like the chalk like really hit hard 
And like, you know, it's one of those things that's just you only remember the photo finishes you you lose, not the ones you win. But it just felt like a really chalky season to me. We did we did say that last year, but I think what's happening is that projections are getting more accurate the more work we all do. Um, and everyone's beginning to use the same, you know, three to five companies. But really then, like, the projections are just objectively good plays. Like, that's why everyone's playing them. So we're trying to poke holes. So, like, when the chalk gets there, it's like the – literally the best projected plays got there. It's not even like offensive. We're just trying to leverage off of it. So if the best plays get there every week and we're getting better at this, then that just makes sense that we continue saying that to increasing amounts every single season. If you got a thought on that, Rich, by all means, go for it. Otherwise, uh, final thoughts when it comes to Rams, Lions. Who wins, by the way? Who wins this game? It's a, it's a, it's a betting show now. we got to get betting takes, uh, Rich. If you have a, I, I feel like I'm in the minority, but I like the Lions here. I think they match yeah. up really well in this. I mean, I'm scared because I think the Rams are going to throw all over them because they just can't stop at the pass. But I really think the Lions are going to run the football really well in this game. All right. Anything else we should say here as far as uh, the Saturday night slate outside of uh, a flag plant. You got to plant a flag. But did you have, who are you guys taking? Don't make me just pick this game, the, the tightest game on the slate. I want to hear you guys. I'm the only guy looking dumb. <laughs> I'm the <laughs> let's. I was on a podcast earlier this week, and I can't remember who I picked because I was asked to pick, and I don't recall what I said. To be honest, Leon in the like chat is wrong. The Lions actually their pass rush is good. They're one of the highest pressure rate teams in the NFL. Their secondary sucks though. Yeah, uh, John, I'll yield to you, and then I'll counter. Uh, uh, I t- I I luckily took the Rams plus the hook at three and a half early in the week, so I feel good with that number. I ge- it's I genuinely think it's close. I still have the Rams. Uh, it is though, like you said, Reeves. It is getting mushed. It almost feels like everyone, <laughs> although they're dogs and road dogs at that, it almost feels like everyone thinks the Rams are just like like the should be favored. And I always worry when the public's leaning that direction. And the one other thing about backing the Lions is versus the Rams is Dan Campbell's going to always do the thing you want to do as a better. Like he's not punting yeah. on fourth and three, like McVay's yeah. punting. McVay is punting across. I'm like the lions 48 McVay is going to punt. And then, uh, in this game environment and this, like a shootout game. That's what McVay does. Shanahan, Shanahan and McVay do the same thing. Shanahan is like one of the most brilliant head coach, like the play designers and offensive like designers we've had. And he's cost the 49ers probably two playoff wins just by being like a a, a donkey on stuff like that. You're saying Uh, he's a fake sharp. Is that what you're saying? Just being over conservative. McVay has done this his whole career. McVay has been ultra conservative his whole career. Dan Campbell, I know if I'm putting money on the Lions, Dan Campbell's going to try to win me that game. He's at least, it might not work, but I know Dan Campbell's going to try to win me that game. Yeah, he's going for two from the seven-yard line. Of course he's going for it. He's going to be reckless about it to the point where maybe even loses me. He's going to be the reason I lose. But he's going to try to get it. Try to get Mc, me here. There, there, there are many instances if you sift through it, but McVay did try to lose that Super Bowl against the Bengals. He was doing his <laughs> damnedest to not attack them through the air. Uh, just the injuries caught up to them, and the Rams ended up winning. Uh, shout out to uh, Pete Carroll. We got rid of one more guy that was with love. He loved nothing more than running the ball and punting on fourth and three. It was a good run for Pete Carroll. Both have on Saban on the same day, uh, 72 years old. Uh, I assume they're done coaching. They're talking about Carroll maybe being in the uh, Seattle organization up in the offices. But uh, all right, uh, enough with the guys that are, you know, putting the ball in fourth and three. Uh, you know, let's let's get a little math into the game. Philadelphia takes on Tampa. Tampa's a three-point favorite at home. Oh, 43 and a half. Game. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on this one. Well, uh, we, like, you know, give whatever thoughts you may have. 
despite the fact Philadelphia is sputtering into the playoffs, where they, they lost five of the last six, something like that. Uh, Tampa's getting three points at home here. Um, man, this this is a tough one. It's the tough. Re- By the way, I'll take the Rams and the points. Uh, just give me the. I think there these teams go. are pretty straight up. I'll, I'll give me the points, and maybe I'm a donkey for saying that, but that's that's kind of where I'm at too. I figure it's gonna be close. I want the hook though. I think the hook's gone most places. Yeah, it's uh, down to John, three. John, open it up. Philadelphia, the Eagles at Tampa Monday night. Since the Eagles made the change to Matt Patricia before the Drew Locke game, and remember, he came out afterwards and talked about how he basically spent the entire day trying to find his confidence because he didn't even know if he could play quarterback anymore. But since then, Kyler scored 23 fantasy points and practically did it all through the air. Only had 24 rushing yards in that game. Tyron Taylor came off the bench and averaged over eight yards for pop. And then last week in his full start against the Eagles, Taylor averaged 9.2 yards per attempt. They've literally, the Eagles have gotten worse on defense since Matt Patricia took over somehow. A lot of it's due to injuries. A lot of it's for the exact reason we talked about with with, um, James Conner in the past. And the list goes on for even Saquon Barkley got there. It's that also the Eagles trenches are falling apart too. And they just can't stop anyone on the ground or the air. I may be putting too much weight into Baker Mayfield getting the uh, extra 24 hours to get healthy because last week the Bucks should have lost that game. And since he's now going through ankle and rib injuries, Baker's been terrible the last two weeks. But it's such a soft spot, honestly, assuming he's healthy because he gets this extra time to rest. Uh, I don't know how the Eagles stop the Bucks, And I think the Bucks are the better team right now, given all of the injuries Philadelphia is dealing with on offense included. So, uh, since it's a betting show, I like the Bucks money line. I think the Bucks just win the game outright. They're going to get demolished in the divisional round, but right now the <laughs> Eagles just aren't healthy enough to do anything. And so I do like Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield. I would love to say Rashad White, since again the Eagles are just leaking running backs. But we even had our spot last week against the Panthers, and uh, most of the time, I mean, this Bucks offense just can't run at all. So it just seems the safest way to do this is Evans or Godwin. And I doubt many people hold over spots through Monday even in the six-game slate, to play either of them. Brown and Smith currently questionable uh, for the Monday game. Hurts also what he hurt his finger. Um, as of right now, well, we'll see. I'm assuming they're all going to play uh, the various degrees, but I'm, I'm assuming they're in unless otherwise noted. Uh, Rich, your thoughts, Philadelphia, Tampa. Are you on board? Do you think, uh, you think we're getting an upset here? There's going to be this one upset. There has to be this one upset in the Super Wild Card weekend. Yeah, I don't know. The Bucks are such a tough team to support. Like, they – they're three and seven against teams with a winning record this year. They're one and five against playoff teams. That win came against the Packers. Uh, they're one of the. You, you ask how the the Buck Eagles can stop the Bucks. Well, the Bucks frequently stop the Bucks. Fifty two percent of their set of downs reach third down. That's thirtieth in the NFL. The only team with the worst rate is the Panthers and the Giants. Uh, they're twentieth in dropback rate on early downs, despite ranking dead last in early down rushing success rate. Like Daigle said, like they can't run. They keep trying to run. Uh, so like, that's the way, right? Like the bucks stop the bucks. Uh, this is one of the rematches that we also have. It feels like another season ago, but, uh, <laughs> the, the Buccaneers did have the fewest yards they had in a game this season against the Eagles. Uh, so I don't know, man, like the Buccaneers are just a hard team to support. I the Eagles are a very hard team to support too, from a talent perspective, like their guys are better. I don't know who's playing though. So I don't, I, I'm waiting to see. Cause like, I forgot they did yeah. they played on Monday. So today I was trying to get like practice reports, but it's like not a real practice day for them anyways, because the, the week kind of being shifted, like it's really a Tuesday for them. So, and, and we like, no one is saying anything about, no, AJ nobody. Brown. 
We don't know anything. There's not a single report about how the hell AJ Brown is doing. We don't know if he's out. How is that possible? Like we, Nick Sirianni came out after the game and said he's fine, but it was more of a pissed off coach just like shunning the media. He's like, nah, he's fine. We're good. But like, we have no idea how he is. Yeah. Um, And the other part is like, if you're playing like the six games slate or something like that, you don't want to be stuck. Like at the last second, hopefully we get some reporting Saturday, Sunday, where you can make adjustments. Especially because all the expensive receivers that are so crucial to this, the big six game slate, imagine like holding over for an AJ Brown with Devonta Smith to just take a chance. And then suddenly you lose five K because you have to go down to Julio Jones instead. Like what a disaster that would be. Or you just play Mike Evans, right? Mike Evans should be really good in this game. I think we thought so until, you know, uh, when Chris Godwin's wife roasted Dave Canales on social media, uh, and then Dave Canales came out and said that he also needs to get Chris Godwin more involved, like they flip flop, like they they literally their target shares have flip flopped. It's been like Godwin coming on, and Ed, Evans has been volatile because remember Baker hasn't been playing good enough football to support two guys at yeah. once, uh, especially the past two weeks. So it's so here's it, what we need: uh, <laughs> Ashley Dotson is married to Mike Evans. She now has to rebut and say, yeah. you know, hey. <laughs> Mike Evans over here. This guy's a future Hall of Famer. Godwin's all fine and everything, but we got we got to uh, let him get fed as well too. So we need Ashley. And I doubt up. that's the whole reason, but it is just funny that it lines up like exactly like Dave Canales coming out after uh, she. I think it was on Instagram. Like God after yeah. Canales, and then like like Godwin's been getting a lot of targets and <laughs> magically looks healthy. You know, the past six weeks. Well, she had a whole thing. She was like, he's, yeah. his sprouts are great. He's cutting spectacular. Like he, she really laid it out and. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would throw him the ball too. Sure. And God the good news is no one else on the Bucks still really gets targets outside of those two guys. Rashad yeah. White, like Kate no. is an official wind sprinter. You got like Trey Palmer runs some routes, but like you can't play him on a six gamer. Like you could show down Trey Palmer, but like you can't play him on the six gamer. Um, so you at least we know, like even if you can't guess, like we know that it's still going to be a thin target tree. Maybe Goddard could be interesting for for uh you know for Philly if we have some limited receivers there. But he might be the guy at tight end you just play and say maybe neither of those guys are healthy. And if they both play half mast, like we know yeah. the Bucks, we know that tight ends have gotten there against the Bucks this year. Goddard himself has not. It's like again, <laughs> like what kind of ceiling are we getting? But like maybe on this slate, he just ends up being by default the best tight end. But like these these guys that just haven't shown the ceiling, like like we talked about Tony Pollard, we're talking about D- Dallas Goddard, Jamison Williams. Like, how many weeks do we have to keep doing it? Like, are we going to keep doing it? Well, we only have so many left. <laughs> this might be the last time for, for Dallas Goddard. We'll see if uh, if John's prediction is true, if Tampa wins this game outright. Um, anything else we should say as far as Philadelphia Tampa? We did not plant the flag officially. Did we in a person as far as uh, our favorite Saturday play? I'm sorry, our favorite Sunday play. We didn't do that. I don't think we did. I think we somehow was thrown out there and we got it got deflected in some way. So let's we didn't even, yeah, well. we, we barely didn't even talk about Amon Ra, especially in the game without Laporta. Like he's gonna, yeah. he's gonna cook. He, I, you know, if the people don't know, you're listening yeah. to this podcast that week, uh, <laughs> week 19, you know, they know this is an, uh, you know, we're pro Amon Ra. We love Amon Ra. He's spectacular. And that's, we that's didn't get I'm, the hard sell. But so I'm glad you kicked it to Reeves to talk about CD Lamb. I was like, ah, he's CD Lamb. What do you want me to tell you? Like he's gonna, he's gonna roast the game. Um, and yeah. Amon Ra, even like, only Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, just to add context, have been targeted at a higher percentage of their routes against zone coverage, which, as we said, the Rams play, then a moan raw. And that's basically because everyone knows they can't man up against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, so they have to play zone coverage against the Dolphins. So a moan raw, yeah, especially about Laporta, who 
leads the team in red zone touchdowns with 10, like Amon Ross absolutely going to cook. I'm trying to think who would my sleep breaker be. Um, uh, I'm thinking Gibbs possibly. I don't, I don't want to steal somebody else's. This is the Sunday only it's Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Green Bay, Dallas, Rams, Detroit. Uh, and like, I have no idea like how chalky he's going to be. It's so hard to read because there's so many moving parts. Um, but I think Gibbs is somebody I just want in this game. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm sticking with. John, give me uh, your favorite play on Sunday. I won't say Steelers defense since I already said Texas defense. <laughs> so uh, I will I will point people to Demarcus Robinson. I think he's my favorite. Even in the main slate, like one off of him. I think I like Demarcus a lot. Rich? Oh man, I don't know. I love all these guys. I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't have like a. I like a lot of guys. They're really good players, and they're really good. I don't have a favorite guy that stands out there right now. I mean, favorite Lamb, Am- Lamb, Lamb, and Amon Ross seem like smashes. I think Puka does really well. Uh, you can make an argument for Cup. Stafford looks like he's gonna like obviously have a huge game. I like Lions running backs. It's just I like them all, man. I like all the guys. You I got like, Cup. I got to make a bunch of lineups on Sunday. Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's gonna be a fun week. I'm hoping. I gotta find a way to build around the different angles of both of those games. Like you know, getting lines run, running backs, whether it gets two line running backs together, even, and not on Monroe teams. Like there's just a lot of ways to play. There's a lot of way, ways to play that Sunday game. We talked about even just punting with Dowdle and just at, trying to get to one more receiver. I put Dowdle in, and he does get you another receiver if you want to do it. <laughs> Uh, at, at on FanDuel especially because he's 5K and like 5K on FanDuel like could be massive if just like no one has like a 20 point running back game. Yeah, uh, it's interesting you say that uh, even FanDuel and you know probably beneficial to run out four receivers because it's the way their scoring system works. You know, touchdown base, half point PPR. Typically, you're rolling out three re- running backs. Typically, I think that's like the general build. You don't always have to do that, but it's on interesting. Three games late though. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, you can get, yeah, you can get, uh, you can get three really good wide receivers on Fanduel with with Dowdle, like three really good wide receivers, uh-huh. like real, real good. Like I'm talking about, like eight K and up wide receivers. It's it's uh yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun building some lineups. Uh, any final words, or uh, we're gonna be leading and talking about our movie shortly. Uh, if you want to in the big six game, if you would need a cheapie as well. <laughs> Uh, not that I want to waste a receiver spot, but Kez Watkins did get five targets in the first half last week without oh. Devonta Smith. And the Bucks, as we know, it's a secondary we've been targeting. So you got to hold it over till Monday. You're going to have enough injury reports, hopefully by Saturday, to make those late swap decisions. But he was targeted. You got him ahead of Julio? Julio's more of a tight end. Like Julio only comes in one th- <laughs> And it's fine. It's, it's touchdown or bust. But Julio really only runs routes like inside the red zone. And then he just gets off of it. Whereas Quez only scores outside of the red zone. Do we have a do we have producer Rob coming in for the movie section? I didn't get a chance to run by him, but usually he's popping in around this time. Here he is, producer Rob, jumping in. If you have a what's up, Rob? If you have any thoughts as far as the, the main slate, by all means, go for it. I'm sure you're smashing the best ball streets. I'm playing too. It's kind of fun. I'm excited about best ball. Uh, of course, you're over there in the uh, the Spike Week. Uh, you know, check out SpikeWeek.com for your best ball needs, but. Rob, you have uh, you know, any takes as far as the slate? By all means, fire them off. I'm not sure if you've been listening, but uh, we got a bunch for the people. Gave them an hour and a half for the six gamer, and uh, yeah, what do you got, Rob? 
Well, the best ball streets are fun because every company released new tournaments this week. So mm-hmm. Underdog released a new gauntlet tournament. So if you were worried about people building super teams over the last mm-hmm. month and a half, two months, now there's a brand new gauntlet. DraftKings dropped all their stuff this week. The drafters one is a completely different format. So you could go to any of the companies you want to and play. And I'll give a hot take on the best ball streets kind of where okay. everyone everyone's trying to build these teams through San Francisco, Buffalo, Dallas, and rightfully so. But especially with the San Francisco and Baltimore teams you're building, I think that it's really viable for a secondary stack to be the Green Bay Packers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because you're trying to get these San Fran teams through. Dallas, you think, will probably th- throttle Green Bay, but – even if they do, there might be a lot of garbage time there. So if you're trying to get these San Francisco and Baltimore teams through, start looking at some of those teams that aren't always getting drafted. You can get anyone you want on Green Bay for any price. You can get almost any of the Tampa Bay guys. Mike Evans has moved up a little bit. And I, I like Aaron Jones a ton on the DFS side of things and on the best ball side of things, just as a guy that gets you through one week if you have like Christian McCaffrey or something like that. I've been doing the same thing. The uh, ninth and 10th round, I'll get Aaron Jones. I never like getting like a la carte pieces, but it's that tough decision of this guy is, might get me the round two, but then he can die, you know, kind of like, um, but uh, if I don't have him, maybe I don't get the round two. So I, and, and then and I'm picking the seventh receiver for Baltimore. That seems like a terrible idea. It's really hard to get Sam Fran stacks. Like you talk about the first, oh, what yeah. is it? There are five pieces. Their first five guys are gone, like in the top 12, top 14, whatever it is. So yeah. Maybe you I got, can get three if you're really lucky. I've been doing a lot of Chiefs, Ravens, AFC Championship stacks with like favoring the Chiefs just in case they slip through. I build mostly one team pretty heavily, whether it's an AFC or NFC team. And then I try to mix in two pieces from two to three teams from the other conference. Like try a 6 to, two, something like that? Yeah. I mean, depending on the site, because, you know, some of the sites, it's your starting five or your starting six. So it really... Right. It's dependent on which site you're on, but that's kind of the way I've been playing it a lot. And you can do it with cheap guys. I even do it with the Packers. Yes, we think the Packers are going to lose, but I don't know about you guys. Last year, it felt like we were talking about this on Spike Week the other night. I I felt like the Chiefs and Eagles were making the Super Bowl last year. This year, it feels I know I know the 49ers look like a juggernaut, but it still feels like that this is a pretty wide open playoffs and that. There could be any two teams. I've, I've never Bowl. seen Mike McCarthy screw up a close game, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just keep saying, like, I know San Fran and uh, Baltimore are considered to be the top tier in each, you know, the AFC, the NFC, but, and the, the playoffs are only so many teams, but there's like 18 teams that are like basically the same. There's so many, te- it's parody. There's yeah. so, so much parody in this league that they're all kind of, sort of, somewhat the same. Uh, wouldn't shock me, you know, if we get a, a, a goofy path. And like you said, nobody's playing the Packers, and you can get them like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You can just load up with the Packers, and hopefully, you got some good stuff on the other side somewhere in the AFC. But all right, the, the um, Browns were like that too, and now the Browns are starting to shoot up the draft boards. It's fun though; I, I enjoy it. And I may or may not have like drafted like three times on drafters till I realized, oh wait, I got to start a tight end. I did not know that. <laughs> that is Ooh. that is unfortunate. <laughs> did you got to read the rules? You got to read the rules, dude. You got to read the rules. Yeah, yeah. I, I might have got a tight end, but I might have done. And that's that seems like that's going to be troublesome. 
That's really but, like uh, the first rule of best ball is like the moment you enter that draft, just click the <laughs> info button or scroll down as quick as you can, look at the rosters, and then you could exit be like, okay, I can draft from there. You got to know the You roster. talk about the first the first rule of best ball. If you watch many money playing, I think there's three rules of money playing, if I remember correctly. We'll is talk there? about <laughs> – well, rule number one is don't watch it. I think it's yeah. rule number one. My apologies if they watch the long uh, – but Rob, somehow Rob found like a discount code on Amazon Prime. He got us for like 77 cents. I paid the full $2.99 and I'm I, I'm looking for a rebate. I <laughs> just clicked upset. on it, man. And it was just like, here, this movie's so bad. We're going to give it to you <laughs> for 74 cents. And, and I, there might be an apology email from Amazon somewhere too. Like, we're sorry. We charge you 74 cents to watch this movie, but we had to. I thought it would be unintentionally funny. I, I misread this. Money playing. Uh, <laughs> It came out in 2020. Ooh. It's an hour and 22 minutes long. It's the longest hour and 22 minutes of your life, possibly. Uh, here is the synopsis. A professional thief with $40 million in debt and his family's life on the line must commit one final heist. Rob a futuristic airborne casino filled with the world's most dangerous criminals. Like, that sounds like fun. Like, in theory, it's like, oh, this could be ridiculous and fun at the same time. And Kelsey Grammer's in it. Wait, an edge of wrestling fame is in it. Thomas Jane from Hung. Oh, I remember him. Uh, Denise Richards. Spoiler alert. She's in like one scene. Like, why is she in this movie? Like, how, who said let's have her? Was she just like hanging out in the set? Like, you want to play the wife? Okay, here's your one scene. Memorize these lines. Um, all right. You know, what? I'm going to throw it to Rich because Rich seemed most upset that we <laughs> that he had to watch this movie. I want you to open up your thoughts on Money Plane. I didn't finish it. I did not finish it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I mean, I made it to the Russian thing. roulette scene, and that was it. I had to draw the. That you was actually, the that's like twenty five minutes. That's yeah. like twenty five minutes. That's, that, that's that's all I got. And here's the reason I stopped watching it, because the twenty five minutes or thirty five minutes I watched replaced something I knew, and I just needed whatever replaced more than I needed that thirty five minutes, and I couldn't risk the rest of the movie replacing anything else that I had consumed in my life, whether I needed it or not. The movie is that deplorable. It's like, it's like if my, I gave my kids a video camera and told them to make a movie like this. It's like, what would happen? Like, and I don't, I don't, I just the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Absolutely the worst thing. <laughs> Have you not seen? Like, I like, like campy. Like I'm in for like, campy bad shit. And Rob was like into horror, so he's watched like some campy bad shit in his life. But like this is like depl- Like this is just like dudes fucking around making a movie, man. Like no, the, no, no. This is called money la- money laundering. This is exactly what this movie was. It's, not, it's not even the right production cameras. It is literally yeah. like a backyard camera shooting these scenes. Yeah. It was, this is literally money laundering. They're like, we're going to pay a bunch of people that people know. We're going to, we're going to filter some money through some, some production companies. And uh, that's how this movie got made. I, I mean, they, they do a whole scene where like Edge is like the main star. And then like halfway through the movie, he's flying the plane for the rest of the movie, not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> what, just, what, Reeves didn't get to this part and if he had i i I even told myself reeves is gonna hate this part because (laughs) he would have hated it more if he kept going rich what you missed was for some reason after edge knocked out the pilot 
for some reason, the co-pilot was basically a black belt teacher and knew how to fight sure. Edge in karate, and it made zero sense at all. Like, why? Also, guy... Edge did not anticipate there was a co-pilot. It was like, oh my god, there's a co-pilot. I yeah. never, he I was, never he was legitimately shocked there was a co-pilot. Like, Master as if it's never billionaires existed. board, billionaires like on board, and oh wait, they had a, they have a just in case the the original pilot in case he had the fish. We're gonna need a plan B. Um, yeah, yeah the, the, the guy that's planning this master heist couldn't can figure out the personnel that's on the plane, is what is what happened in that scene. It's Kelsey Grammer's name is amazing. Darius the Rumble Grouts the Third, and he announces that <laughs> several times throughout the movie, which is just amazing. You missed that part, Rich. Um, also, there's this character who who's like they go in under like a they have like the fake names, right? And one of the fake names is Mr. McGillicuddy. And nobody's ever been named Mr. McGillicuddy in real life. That's only used as a fake name. And that's the fake name they gave him, Mr. McGillicuddy. It's like, right there, I'm suspicious. You're not who you say you are. It is Uh, honestly a lot like Fat Man in that (laughs) they had, it's so hard to be original nowadays. Like, you just can't create something unique. So when you get to that lane, you better go all in and do something right. And I feel like you said, rich or uh dean the synopsis is really good like i am interested in uh like the most evil billionaires on a plane gambling that sounds amazing to me but boy did they just not hit anything else the moment the title scene came on yeah they they even went for the right premise at one point where they're gambling on like the like most disgusting shit like people fighting cobras and stuff and they didn't lean into that enough if you're gonna do that Lean into that a little more. The God, the Lawrence brothers in this movie. Is there anything worse than the Lawrence brothers in this movie? Well, did you know that Andrew Lawrence, uh, the, the the third uh, the third lead amongst the Lawrence brothers, is of course Matthew Lawrence, and there is um, Joey Lawrence of uh, Blossom fame. So Andrew Lawrence, I think, is the youngest of the three. He wrote and directed this, and he oh, uh, cast he cast his brothers. Yeah, like you've heard of the Hemsleys before, the Hemsley brothers. You've heard of like the Gyllenhaals. You know, uh, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez. This is um, the Lawrence brothers are taking over Hollywood. They and, had their uh, own show. I can't even remember what it was. It might have been called Brotherly Love. I can't remember for sure. But like when we were when we were in high school or whatever, they had they had a, mo- a show with the three of them on the Disney Channel familiar. or something. But Matthew Lawrence in a movie full of bad things. And I understand why Rich <laughs> shut it off at the Russian roulette part in a movie full of bad acting and bad decisions and bad everything. Matthew Lawrence's Texas tycoon guy. Oh, so bad. Dude, I couldn't, he he even not, told you, he's like, I'm from Texas. Like, yeah, we know what you're trying to do. <laughs> dude, I couldn't, man. I just couldn't, I couldn't power through. Like Rob tried to will me and I just couldn't, man. <laughs> do you want me to venue like three bucks? I feel bad. I, I'm happy no. to do that. This is my fault. So um, I was under the premise that Dean, you had seen the movie and you had no. known it was that bad. And the joke was on us. And that's why I was mad at you. I'm actually even like, I'll give you a hall pass now because you didn't know, Like you just assumed it was like bad fun. So I'll give you a hall pass and you didn't purposely try. to. I'm upset too. I'm upset as I'm just as upset. I powered through, but I was not happy about it. I have a um, few, I have a few crutch phrases. I lean on whenever I'm thinking through my thoughts when I speak. And I, I know that. And one of them is I've spent $2 on worse things. Or if I want to play like a, a bad player in DFS, I've spent $50 on worse things than Rico Daddle. I'm not kidding. I don't think I've spent $2 on a worse thing than money play. Well, you got it for $2? I, I, got, I paid three. You paid two bucks? I, I got I SD and $1.99. And, tr- <laughs> and, and trust me, trust me, there is no difference in SD to HD because even the camera can't comprehend that in this movie. 
I had a 30 second debate. I'm like, I'm like, oh, SD 199, I got HD it. 299. And I'm like, ah, screw it, HD. No like, didn't notice anything spectacular. To be fair, though, I, I even mentioned in the chat that we had, I looked down. I hadn't started it yet. I was planning to watch it last night. I looked down in the chat, and the first thing I see is, I want to fight you, Dean, when Rich <laughs> was messaging you. So I was like, okay, the extra dollar is not going to matter here. I just need to make it through it. John in chat, by the way, we don't we usually the IMDb game, the Rotten Tomatoes game. John in chat is telling us that according to Wikipedia, this movie grossed six hundred eighteen dollars. <laughs> Not six hundred eighteen k. No, six hundred eighteen. Six hundred, and that's half of that is the Lawrence family. I'm pretty half sure of, half, of that is, pay. Half, half of that is us buying it over this week. <laughs> It's since been updated in the last couple of days. <laughs> we got it over the 600 mark. Right, it was 612, but we helped it out. This, so, this movie breaks the absolute cardinal like rule in terms of, I know this isn't a horror movie, but there is very specific types of horror movies that you watch. And the ones that are so bad, they're good, are never intentionally bad. And they are yes. actually trying, right? When you're self-aware of what you yeah. are and you're and you're trying to play in to be that type of movie, it never works. You can never be intentionally bad and try to be funny and ham it up because it always comes off like Yosemite Sam rather than someone that just doesn't know how to act, right? Adam Copeland thought he was the next John Cena, the way he was trying to act. He thought this was going to launch his career and he was going to be with you know, like Molly McGrath and other actresses down the road in rom-coms. That is not the case. Well, he did Vikings, right? Like that show, I haven't watched Vikings all the way through, but he, from all reports, he was pretty good on that and the show Haven, which wasn't a show that I watched either. But supposedly those two shows are really good. He wasn't bad, but you could just tell that like, they had everybody for a certain amount of days. And I feel like they, I feel like they rewrote the movie halfway through where they're like, well, we only have edge on set for two more days. Let's stick <laughs> him in the pilot's chair for the 40 minutes and just make them talk into the thing to Kelsey Grammer, who God, we, uh, Matthew Lawrence was bad. Kelsey Grammer was, was teetering on the point of being just as bad. And the rumble Whose <laughs> name is the rumble. <laughs> like, what is that? He was hamming it up, sense. Kelsey Grammer. He knew he knew this was a giant turd. He was just he was kind of having. I think he was having fun. I think he was having fun with it. Like there's nothing he can do. He couldn't save this movie. I, there are some plot holes, but like there are a billion some plot holes. Things. I, I don't want to pick them apart. But, <laughs> but first of all, like by the way, um, didn't they say there's a billion dollars in cryptocurrency on the plane? Like I'm not a Bitcoin crypto guy, but like, isn't crypto something that's like not something you hold? Uh, am I wrong? Or is it, did you guys understand you can, that? You can have it on an actual drive because did you, you hear about the guy oh, that, oh, on um, the drive? Yeah, because there was the one guy, I don't I don't know what the outcome was, but he bought he bought a bunch of bitcoin when he was younger. Yeah. Put it on like a locked flash drive and forgot the password and had like five chances to remember the password yes. or something like that. Remember that story. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah, the, it was it was a lot like ludicrous and fast and the furious how he knew nothing about technology but then by the third one he was the smartest guy in the world like this this movie mentioned nothing about crypto and then like 30 minutes in all of a sudden everyone's a bitcoin expert i was like what's going on here how do we get back on this track now 
I don't know what it's like to be a billionaire. I, I can't relate, but like I, I imagine if I was a billionaire, I probably wouldn't be playing Russian roulette. They literally have billionaires playing Russian roulette. It's like you have a lot to live for, my friend. You've already won. What do you gamble on uh, alligators or something? They, they have a line about that. Alligators having sex with a person. If you want to bet on that, you can bet on that because we're in international waters. Also, they're in international waters and they're just throwing money out the window into the water. Like where the money's just going into the ocean. Never like they're going to give it away for people. And it all just goes right in the ocean because they're in international waters. But okay, we don't see that because they don't have the budget to get a picture of a beach or even what's outside the plane. But um, the, yeah. the, one thing I'll, the one thing I'll give this movie is during the Russian roulette scene, I think this is the first movie I've ever seen the, the bullet actually be on the first shot. Because usually they, okay. most yeah. movies are building that tension. So I guess kudos to them for doing something a little bit different than everybody else. But yeah, why, why at the end of the movie, these people are, are supposed to be professional thieves. And now they just want to give all the money away, every single one of them. No one on the crew had a problem with that. And shout out to the girl from the crew because she was like the best person in this entire movie. She she actually did all of the stunt work or her character was actually a badass. But everyone Katrina else Norman. I don't know who Katrina Norman is. I'm not sure if you've seen him before, but that's who that's who did the work there appears. Yeah, that, that was the other thing. That was my other question. I know why Edge was doing it. Edge was forced to do this. He had to do this job to save his family, his last job. And he gets his crew to do it. His crew's like, okay, but what's in it for them? They weren't threatened. Their lives weren't threatened beforehand by Kelsey Grammer. But at the end, they're like, not they're like, hey, we have this money right here. Anybody want it? No, we're good. Nobody wants it. That's the whole point. <laughs> you're on that plane. Yeah. <laughs> this is what yeah, you missed, this. Rich. You missed the ending. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants the money. Oh, geez. I, uh, I'm very excited. I, I cannot wait to hear Rich's uh, tight end, by the way. Rich always puts a tight end on it. I cannot wait to hear what, what tight end Rich is talking about. I mean, it's about immaculately hard to cope with a tight end. To, oh, this, is, is to, that, to put on the 35 minutes, I think I saw this movie. Uh, I think we've got to go with uh, Philip Supernaw because this movie is a Supernaw. <laughs> like, it's just Supernaw. I thought we were going with Kellen Winslow Jr. on this one. I thought it was like an immaculate reception reference when you said immaculate. Like that doesn't make any sense either. Who was the guy? Was it for the was it the Cowboys? Wasn't there like a tight end who uh he missed a, a catch in the uh in the Super Bowl, like a, right in his hands? Was it the Cowboys or the Packers? It was, was the Cowboys. Smith? Was the guy's name Smith, Smith or something like that? Jackie, Jackie Smith. Smith. I mean, like we didn't really think this was gonna be the greatest movie of all time, but this is obviously not what I signed up for. Um, we also got to play the IMDB in the Rotten Tomatoes game, and I'm curious how low. How low do scores get on IMDb? I, mean, I really have no idea, but I cannot imagine it's really promising. Um, I'll give so it my score while you're pulling that up. I will give this movie a point <laughs> five, four out of five. And I will top that since I do I do out of ten. And I'll give it double what Rob gave it and give it 0. 0.8 out of It's like 10. a Blutarski, basically, almost. It's inflation. Oh, my gosh. I feel like this movie literally was that point in Billy Madison where he talks about that. He gives that whole speech on the puppy <laughs> lost it. So he's like, not one point in your incoherent rambling. <laughs> I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. That's like what? That's like like exactly the listen out. We're all dumber for having to listen to yes, that speech. Yes, we're all dumber for having <laughs> Who was the name of the, the tight end again, uh, Rich? That you, what was the guy's name? Philip Supernall. Uh, yeah, Philip Supernall. I believe. Supernal. 
Titans blocking tight end, I believe. Philip Supernaut. Let's see. His best season in the NFL, we had uh, 62 yards in 2016. Uh, <laughs> one official touchdown in 2017. He got in the end zone for Tennessee. He played for Tennessee in the back end of his career. Uh, career, career stats, uh, 14 catches, 163 yards, and he got a tutty. So, yeah, um, I don't remember Philip Supernaut. 163 sounds- yards, and this movie made $163. So it, <laughs> it all comes full circle. Yeah. Just, and, and just like this movie, you shouldn't remember Philip Supernaut either. <laughs> no. F, I'm gonna, can I give it an F plus? Is an F, I don't, how do you dress up an F? Like, there's got to be worse movies than this, right? Oh, but, uh, have you seen Skin of Rink? No. What, what's that? Uh, might be the worst movie I watched all last year was Skin of Rink. No, I, I don't think I've seen that. Uh, yeah. I'm going to lower it in my queue just in case no. I accidentally no. catch it. <laughs> I, I'm going to give it an F plus, an F plus, because I think there's worse, worse movies that exist. Uh, IMDb. IMDb score, the Internet Movie Database score. Uh, John, I'll let you set the line for us. Uh, what do you think IMDb score is for Money Plane? Gosh, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's out of it's out of a it's a percentage out of ten. Out of, out of, out of ten, it's out of ten. Out of, One through ten. Out of out of ten. Um, and they do decimals. I always yeah. forget. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely uh, for Money Plane. <laughs> One point two. <laughs> All right, uh, Rich. I mean, dude, it, if anyone gave this movie more than a one, they deserve to be locked, <laughs> locked up. Into, right? like, uh, it, I don't know if it, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sure someone has like pulled like the worst ranked movies on IMDb or something. But like, it's got to be like a two, right? Like, it's got to be something stupid. Like, it, this movie's awful. Like, it's deplorable. So, point, <laughs> point seven. I'll go point seven. It's a three point two. Like, I don't no, know no how way. bad. No, it's not. <clears throat> And I'm, well, I mean, I'm just reading it. I'm just telling you what it says. It's on the internet, so it must be true. Absolutely. No, I'm letting IMDb know that this this is this has ruined their integrity. <laughs> the game has been ruined. Let's jump to uh, let's jump to Rotten Tomatoes. This, of course, two different scores. You got the critic score. You have the score from the audience. Um, Rob, you go first here. Give me both the critics and the audience. Critics are zero percent. There's no self-respecting critic that could have given this anything decent. And the audience is 7%. By the way, I just did a quick Google uh, disaster movie. You guys remember disaster movie? It's like a comedy. That's the lowest rated IMDb movie of all time, apparently. Uh, Is that a spoof movie? Yeah. Yes. I think it's like. Those don't count. Those are just trash. Uh, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. It's like a 1.5. Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Oh my god, have you guys seen anything on that? Yeah, have you seen anything on? I went down a rabbit hole on that movie one time. I did not. The hottie and the naughty, I think that's Paris Hilton, got a two. But uh, House of the Dead, that's a horror movie, right, Rob? Yeah, 2.1. Super bad. Son of the Mask, 2.3. So there's worse movies, according to IMDb. Uh, I didn't mean the rally game, but I thought there were some interesting, uh, terrible movies there to talk about. Uh, John, what do you got uh, for Rotten Tomatoes? Give me both scores. 3.2 is shockingly high for IMDb. So I will go a little bit higher and I'll say uh, who who liked it more, critics or audience, or who hated it less? I should um, say this, by the way. There's only 13 official critics that reviewed this. Most people don't know it exists outside of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> All right, critics. People... <laughs> 50 people, 50 50 rated it. 
50 for our uh, for our general public. Critics, so a sample. critics, 21 percent, and audience, 11 <laughs> percent. Get rich. Uh, I mean, it's got to be like 10 percent critics, and there's some masochists out there, so probably I guess like 20 percent <laughs> audience. So- <laughs> So 13 critics reviewed it. It's at 23%. So I think that means like three of the critics thought it was right. fine. Is, that, is my math right? Give it a thumbs up. We're going to guess. I'm, I'm yeah. going to go read these critic reviews. <laughs> going to see uh, how much money they got laundered as well. Okay. So here's one. This is like what, this is what Rich always talks about. How a thumb up, thumb down is not a great system because this is a thumb up. This is a tomato, right? It's not a rotten tomato. Mm-hmm. It isn't good. Exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it's notably cheap looking, but I still want to smile on my face for large parts of the movie. Three out of five. Like that's not a rousing endorsement, but that's that's a yeah man a ripe tomato, um, yeah. Um, there's some bad <laughs> money playing could have been a fun disaster of a film, but Copeland's obvious boredom sucks all the air out of the cockpit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty harsh stuff here. Um, it's so so bad. Uh, and I don't even want to be mean like the people in this movie. It's just God, dude. No, they do what this movie was. Yeah, everyone that was in this movie, other than Edge was in it for the pay I mean, other than like for what the paycheck? big game but the, they were Denise there Richards for was in for one scene basically one and a half scenes essentially um yeah i don't know what kind of work she's getting these days like obviously she had you know wild things back in the day those kind of movies but uh does Star any Trippers. movie have a zero percent on rotten tomatoes so uh producer steve just dropped in chat uh master of disguise says a one percent i think that was a. Uh, uh, that was Dana Carvey when he dressed yeah. it up as like a turtle amongst yeah. different things. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's hard to get a, below one, even if you try. Uh, it's hard to get below uh, a one, like a one percent. It's about as low as it goes. The audience, by the way, did everybody officially guess? I think so, right? Everybody guessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thirty-four yeah. percent from the audience from fifty people. So um, that means one go. out of three people like this movie. Yeah, but we did. one out of we, three people. Four of us on this show. Is a Lawrence brother that filled this out, I think. The Lawrence family. Um, well, we have to close strong, right, Rich? We're going to close strong. You, you have a movie for us next week. And uh, expectations are high, at least according to IMD, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Well, you know uh, what? You haven't officially said what movie it is. Well, I mean, I was actually going to give you guys a shot because the holdovers came out, but Daigle already watched it and texted me about it. So, Oh, I, I, forgot, to tell, I forgot to tell Dean. Uh, I watched the holdovers this weekend. It's really good. It's on Peacock, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I saw it. I was going to have us actually give you guys a choice, but I feel like everything is just trying to give us a million chances to make you guys watch Paddington too. So yeah. I think we have to do it. Complete the circle. And we've never seen Paddington 1, it but again, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We're just going, we're going to go in cold. Paddington 2 You'll be it fine. is. Uh, anything else? It was, yeah, it's the highest it. reviewed movie, I think, in existence, right? Like, or. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're doing a lot of world building in the Paddington movies that you have to <laughs> go back and read books like it's Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> it's not like the Marvel Universe. You don't have to like know everything and every different... Who's that guy? Yeah. Well, if you saw this movie. Uh, so it's the inverse of Master, Master of Disguise, right? We already know it's one of the highest rated movies of all time. I'm not sure exactly what it is, Rotten Tomatoes, what it is, IMDb, but we've heard, we've seen that that's like popping up in like top 10 stuff. Everybody likes Paddington too, at least to some degree. Um, we'll see right. if you do. We'll see if you do, Dean. I, you're gonna I, crack I, your steel heart. Is this is this going to make you cry? Is that what it's supposed to do, Paddington Two? I don't know. Is it, it makes you cry? Is that 
or do we do we know this? Is it common knowledge? I cried at the I cried at the holdovers, and it's not even really a cry movie. So I guarantee you, I'm gonna ball during Paddington Two. Okay, I'm soft. I'm soft. You you know what the formula for these for these like kids movies are, Dean? It's you know they go through the heartbreaking thing, and then at the end of the movie, you get your homeward bound moment and uh, the credits roll. Have you seen this as well, Rob? Or you haven't seen it? No, but I can already tell you. Yeah, how it's go. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we kind of know how this stuff goes. All right, yeah. let's let's step aside and get out of here. We've been on for two hours. Do appreciate y'all hanging out. Uh, hit that like button as well. Do subscribe. Watch Paddington 2 with us. Uh, let's tell the people uh, where they can find us. John, you go first on the old interwebs. On the interwebs. At this point, you know, but I guess Twitter, not Jay Daigle. Still trying to play video games right now until the next spot I announce. But instead, I'm doing yard work. So you can find me there. You got Zelda as well, right? I saw you, uh, yeah. you, got, you got a brand new Zelda game. The, the great Jake Seeley at The Athletic literally shipped me a copy of Tears of the Kingdom. So that'll be opened this weekend. Bang, bang. Nice. Uh, Rob, tell the people where they can find you. Well, we've, already, podcasts. <laughs> we've already had enough of the Spike Week stuff. So uh, you can catch me over at Hometown Ghost Stories where we just covered Toronto yesterday. But what I'm really excited about is what we're dropping on Friday. One of our side content episodes we're talking about the new england vampire panic of the 1700s and 1800s which is actually super wild people in new england actually all across europe as well literally thought vampires were rising out of their graves and uh for 150 years and what they did to combat it was wild all right that that's i'm, I'm interested that sounds <laughs> that sounds like something i would listen to uh rich go for it what do you got Sharp football analysis. They're writing up all these games in detail over there. Uh, so you can check that stuff out with all the other playoff content we have going on. And uh, there's one more pick six show for the season. You can find me with my guys, Daigle and Dean, and now Rob uh, next Wednesday. Did you say not Rob or now Rob? And, I, and I now get, Rob. Oh, I thought I got fired. No, and now Rob. <laughs> It'll be an awkward time to do it. I, the, I can't. The podcast. <laughs> I hope the games are good this weekend. That's all I, that's all I care about. Give, me, I can't give believe. us some good content. I can't believe we made it two hours for only six games to talk about. That's insane. Really? You guys were trying not over, to watch. The over is a lock every single week. You really yeah, can't believe it. Every you guys were trying not to talk about is. money playing. That's what it was. We were like, yeah. <laughs> like who's the eighth? Come on. Who's the eighth string receiver on Dallas? <laughs> Let's talk him up. So I don't got to talk about this bullshit movie. Rich, do you still I, have like a, a 48 hours? You still have a money playing at your disposal? If we convince you to go back to it and revisit? I'm you didn't not. give me a sell. You didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give me any reason to go. The to point go four, back the point eight, and the F didn't didn't sell you on it? F plus, F but plus? yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so bad. All right, let's get out of here. For, for Rob, for producer Steve, for John, for Rich, for, for Denise Richards. For, for Kelsey Grammer, for the Darius Rumble the third, uh, Darius the Rumble routes the third, and last but not least for Philip Superna, I was Dean. Go win some money on Super Wild Card Weekend. Come back next week for the last episode of the season. We're out of here. Holler.